You understand the meaning of the word foreboding? As in badness is happening right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Far too kind. Oh, you guys are a hell of a duet here. Why'd you start harmonizing? Can I get an encore? Do you want more? Cook and roll with the Brooklyn boys. So for one last time, I need you. Because love says live for over 100 years. Now what the hell are you waiting for? For me, there should be no more. So for one last time, make some noise. That's for John Lennon, you Yankee fucking cunt. Revenge. I've never thought about it before. But when I saw you, I knew I had my answer. I am Beatrice. Victor. Would you follow me? I wanted to find out more about you. I want to take you somewhere. I know why you really came tonight. You want to find out if the girl's been watching you saw what you did. I saw you kill this man. The man who did this to me. I want you to kill him. Yo, Foshes, Foshes, <laughs> Cole, Foshes. How you doing? <laughs> What's up, my brother? You realize that this is going live probably in february i know i know i know and therefore no one will get remember february feels like a conservative estimate to me i know no one will remember what it is that you're referencing you don't think anybody will remember no come february i do feel like the michelle williams saying foches foches thing uh which is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me specifically (laughs) Can I, um, I gotta ask you, I gotta ask you. So is she saying in this book that Justin Timberlake took her to Harlem and they walked past Genuine, the R&B singer on the yes. street? Okay. Yes. That is what, um, for, j- j- just to clarify, the audio book for Britney Spears's memoir came out yesterday as we're recording this. It is read by American treasure Michelle Williams. Um, there is a bit in it where Britney makes fun of Justin Timberlake doing a black scent to impress <laughs> C-list R&B singer Genuine. Um, which means that we have now Not all C-list. heard... C-list, you think? Yeah. Not after, okay. uh, well, I mean, this was pre-Magic Mike, so. Well, this is my thing. I get yeah. I get that Pony is a hit, right? Pony is, like, one of the best songs ever written by anyone. <laughs> it's incredible. I'm not joking. But this story is probably 2002, right? It's got to be something like that. Because like, they break be up in even 2003. before then. It could be like 2001. Yeah. I think, uh, right? I, I, I think probably 2001, 2002. Pony's from 96, Connor. Oh, yeah. Can no, I name, know. I know. Can you name a second genuine song? Yeah. There's this one called In Those Jeans. Okay. Yeah. See? Okay. That right was there. a hit name and after one. the story we're talking about. So my point is that, like, it's so funny that. Justin Timberlake is like doing a black scent to impress Genuine when like <laughs> Genuine's in a career nadir, right? Anyway, the audio of Michelle Williams imitating Britney's parody of Justin's black scent is 
anything. Uh, the new national anthem, as far as I'm concerned, and <laughs> no one will remember it. Come, it should um, be your ringtone. Yeah. No, I. It should I be your alarm shot. that that wakes you up in the morning. <laughs> should be Michelle Williams saying "Pushes, pushes." Do you actually want to know what my alarm that wakes me up in the morning is? Is it not one of the stock like no. iPhone alarms? No. no it's what not. is it? What is? I your swear alarm? to God, I'm telling the truth. It's the Patty LaBelle version of Moby's One of These Mornings oh, that man. plays when they're in the speedboat, the go fast boat in Miami Vice. That's a fire. That's a fire way to wait to, to, I know. to begin your me. morning every yeah. morning like that. I might have to do that. I'm, I may have to, to jump on that train. Um, I was um, listening to the Audio Slave soundtrack yesterday. <laughs> For no reason. R.I.P. Uh, Chris Cornell, but Audio Slave was like the worst <laughs> band of all time. I'm so sorry, Chris. Chris, you gave us the last good Bond song, so it's okay. Connor, which, which is funny. I, I don't think we mentioned that. Even though we were comparing Miami Vice to Casino Royale, we like completely forgot to mention that. Oh my God. Both of those did. movies have. We'll have to do another Miami Vice episode at some point. We'll have to do another one. Is this the uh, first time we've said the name Michelle Williams on the podcast? Maybe. We've alluded to. We've alluded to actress, Michelle Williams several times. I don't believe we've ever said her name outright. Because, podcast. listeners, uh, Connor, when we were trying to come up with who this podcast was supposed to be about, really wanted it to be about Michelle Williams. Mm-hmm. And then Connor decided he didn't want to watch Dawson's Creek. Like 200 so episodes. So Connor talked of himself out of that idea. I was perfectly willing to go along with it. Well, I wasn't I in on the completionist. I was I not in on the completionist idea of this at the beginning. I know. And um, are you in on the completionist idea now, today? <laughs> this in, week? In this week? Last week I was. I don't know about this week. <laughs> Can Listeners, you- this week we will be talking about the 2013 Niels Arden Oplund film dead man down what's the name of this podcast connor this podcast is called above the title and I'm who's connor. it about i'm cole who's it about and this is your one and all your one stop shop all for colin farrell our frustrating subject of this. you know they're actually we do have to issue a correction this week speaking of oh. britney because when we talked about britney last on this podcast which was the recruit, I think. Yes, yes. We, it was we... recruit. Yes, because um, well, they were at the red carpet together. So, and then yeah. uh, who's the who's the female lead? Bridget Moynihan. No, right? not oh god, fucking the recruit. In like an interview, she was just dragging Britney Spears for for no reason. Whatsoever. But we also, yeah, we also, yeah. um, we kind of we kind of talked about the the Brittany Colin relationship and our understanding at the time, I think because of what Bridget Moynihan had said yeah, was that it was really just them on the red carpet, that, that it was almost night. like a set up thing. And that but she now, didn't even stay for the movie. Yes. So, yeah. But now Brittany's memoir has come out and she said they had a very intense very passionate like two-week fling that ended at the recruit red carpet when he basically told her to get the fuck out of there very on brand for, yeah uh, the, what we had talked about at the beginning yeah of this, the party boy yeah um yeah dead man down dead man down uh can i give you a heater 
on Dead Man Down, Connor. <laughs> sure. <laughs> is I it that much of a heater? Is it a genuine it's a heater. heater? It's a okay. fucking genuine heater. Okay. I think this is pretty undeniably the best post in Bruges movie we've talked about on this podcast. No, I like Seven Psychopaths much more. This is so much that better is. than Seven Psychopaths. Like that's, this is a that's staggering true. achievement. I'm fucking with you. This movie's fucking unwatchable. I can't. I was like, where are we going with this? I couldn't tell if you were gonna give me some like some one of those takes of said terrible object of popular culture is actually great because of yada yada blah blah blah. Bada bing. When have I ever done that? Random inferences. When have I ever done that? You don't do it very often. Um, but I don't think it would shock me if I heard one of those come from you. Sure. But this the movie thing is with you, good. and yeah. you know, to give you a compliment, Cole, is you do make fairly good cases. Oh, you've you've done it, you've done it a hundred times before. Deep water. Deep water's good. Deep water what are you sucks. talking about? Deep water's Deep water so bad. Is so well directed. This is exactly this is exactly what I'm talking about. Deep Water okay. is like an expertly directed little thriller. It's okay. maybe Line's best movie. How how bad is Dead Man Down? To just pretty get that out of the way. Fucking bad. Yeah. It's pretty incomprehensible, dare I say. <laughs> it's I have seen this movie twice and I'm worried about the fucking plot synopsis. Did you see this in theaters? No. Okay. No, I, I this but is a I, fucking this is a fucking red box classic. I do this remember the, seeing the trailer for this play in theaters. Oh yeah, I was excited for this. I just didn't catch it in theaters. Okay. To be clear, this movie comes out spring of 2013. Spring of 2013 is a fucking dense window, right? Like I mean, if, let's let's cover if, it. If March yeah. of 2013 is like a less crowded field, I probably would have seen this in theaters because I was excited for it. The problem is, is just hold on. Let me pull up some shit. Hold on. Let me go back to my letterbox. Uh, but but I wish it was easier to pull up these specific dates. Letterbox. <laughs> okay. If we're talking like when this movie is in theaters, yeah, here is stuff that I am seeing. I believe it was released in early March, right? Like it's March tenth. I want to say, yeah. So like, and remember, I'm poor, right? <laughs> I'm like, I think I'm actually unemployed during this stretch, so I have like no money. So like, what am I seeing instead? I'm seeing Spring Breakers instead. I know it's a few weeks later, but like, oh, when this yeah. is coming out in theaters, like. Spring Breakers, Stoker, G.I. Joe 2, a movie I was very excited about. Um, fucking The Evil Dead remake is a few weeks after this. You know, like, just, I'm not prioritizing. I'm seeing less stuff in theaters than I remembered I was, huh? Um, you know, I'm thinking of April is more dense. Anyway, my point is that, like. It's still, it's still like, I can tell you, I, I can I can give you a quick rundown, I think, yeah. off the top of my head of what I saw in theaters. Uh, yeah. this, this spring, I saw Gangster Squad. Gangster Squad. Well, that, that was January. Yeah, but I'm saying I definitely yeah. saw that in this quarter. Side um, effects was a week before this. I definitely saw side effects. Yeah, I saw. Throw back to Jason Bateman. I saw Identity Thief. I don't know why. Christ, <laughs> that was one that came up. Um, I believe I 
saw Glimpse inside the mind of Charles Swan the third. I saw that shit in theaters, baby. <laughs> I I believe I saw where were we back in March? I don't think I saw Stoker. I don't believe I, I saw, saw Stoker. Stoker until later. But I did see Spring Breakers. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. Great. Will we cover Spring Breakers one day? I don't know. Uh, that might be a hard reach. <laughs> I will hold you at gunpoint, and we will do an episode on every season of Pretty Little Liars. Oh, I definitely saw the Place Beyond the Pines. Yeah, that's Maybe later though. That's a April, weeks right? After this, no, yeah, it says here March 29th. Trance. When do I see the Place Beyond the Pines? I'm literally just going. Yeah, I see that like a month after this comes out. Trance, like even for me, Olympus has who... fallen. Came out right around now. Even for me, someone who was like pointedly excited to see this movie, like, which I was until reviews came in. And then I was like, no, thank you. Um, It's just, it came out in kind of a crowded space, weirdly for the good version of Dead Man Down to have succeeded. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of crime thrillers, there's a lot of like interesting auteurs making movies there's this this is fucking two weeks before the other breakthrough foreign director of the 2000s comes to the states and has his american debut come out in stoker right like it's a bad window for this movie to come out if it's good that this movie stinks to high heaven and no one liked it like well to enter dead in the water to interject real quickly, uh, Niels Arden Opelov, the director of this film, gained, I think, the largest recognition in the States with the girl with the dragon tattoo. The original. Um, uh, he did all three. Danish. Didn't he do all three? Or did I, he just do the first one? I think he just did the first one. Um, do, 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 uh, the lead actress of this film, Numi R- Rapace. How do you pronounce her name? I believe it's Rapace. Rapace. Numi Rapace, who uh, is the, you know, titular yes. girl with the dragon tattoo she did all three but i believe this director only you're did right the first film um, the sequels but were... i will say from what i remember and this is more around the time that the fincher american version is coming out i, yes. I the sentiment that i remember around the original danish version was that it was like pretty underwhelming interesting derived I from the popularity that... of the of the books no i think that first movie was a sensation okay really really it was i think critically i think critically underwhelming is what i'm critically maybe tepid but with like audiences i mean that he did not have he did not have the reputation of a park chan book coming oh no well no but but i think because that first girl with the dragon tattoo movie was i i do think a cultural sensation i mean Here's I mean, it definitely about- was like I had seen yeah. it before. I had seen it before I was aware that Fincher was making yes an American adaptation of it. Here's the thing about the 2009 Swedish Girl with the Dragon Tattoo: is it it has like an insanely long cultural tale for a movie that I do think has been relatively forgotten in yeah. favor of the remake, which is yeah. weird because I don't particularly think the remake is that much better. And in many ways, I think it's actually worse. The girl, the dragon tattoo basically invents prestige TV. If you really think about it, the, 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 the Swedish one, the Swedish one. Okay. 
Like so much of we think of like what is the launch pad for prestige TV as a form, the like limited series miniseries. Yes. Is people trying to cash in on the girl with the dragon tattoo. It is top of the lake. It is true detective. It is um, the killing. It is this like kind of moody contemporary noir a lot of sexual violence like deeply nihilistic like all of that tone that i think has seeded through the past 15 years now almost of like prestige miniseries and streaming television mm-hmm. like is rooted i think in stieg larson and pointedly because that movie breaks stieg larson as a novelist in the west in the english speaking world Right. That yes. that first movie. The second thing is it's a fair I think that's a fair yeah. statement to make. This is completely anecdotal, right? I have seen no data on what I'm about to say, <laughs> but I believe it to be true in my heart from my memories. You know how like we talk about video game platforms as having like the launch title that makes the game mm-hmm. the platform? Yes. Right? Like yeah. like the Wii gets successful because of Wii Sports. Yeah. Right? That, like, like you need to pair these things up. Yeah, like, with... Switch has Breath of the Wild. Switch has Breath of the Wild, right? That like, Original Xbox had Halo. Like, like the yeah. game sells the platform. Yeah. Right? And you then need to buy the platform and able to play, to play that specific exactly. game. Yeah. In a similar fashion, I feel like the girl with the dragon tattoo. And I think honestly, more specifically the longer mini series re-edit of the entire trilogy. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. And yeah, it's, there's a, it's interesting that you're bringing this up because I, I was actually going to, to, yeah, to make um, a similar, I think judgment. So just to clarify for listeners who don't know, there are obviously there are three Swedish girl with the dragon tattoo movies, each they based co- off yeah, uh, novels and a series of books that were like kind of, huge I don't know, overwhelming Europe. european phenomenon and more time. so because yeah. the author dies very quickly after writing it yeah. but you've Called got the three, millennium trilogy yeah, yeah. right you've got yeah. three movies one of them comes out in 2009 and then the second two come out in 2010 right they're like knocked out super fast back to back they're shot almost collectively despite the fact that they switched directors and the fincher but, one is 2013 and the fincher one's 2011 2011. Yeah. So it's, it's a really quick turn. Wow. Yes, it's 2011. It's right after the social network. But they play theatrically in the United States. But then very quickly after there are these movies are already pretty long. They're all like two and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. They then edit extended three hour versions of each movie but release those as a mini series so six 90 minute parts the whole trilogy as a as like a nine hour mini series. which granted happens more often in europe than yes. it does in the u.s yes of yeah. course i think they were always thinking of it as like a european tv it's american theatrical release thing kind of a regular thing that happens especially in the northern european yes countries you know very popular obviously years. bergman yeah. There's a lot of Bergman stuff that's like that. There's a lot of Fassbender stuff that's like that. Yeah. You know, a lot of more contemporary stuff. The fucking The Trip, those Steve Coogan movies. Vim Vender stuff that's like Vim that. Vim Vender's, yeah. Well. yeah. Um, I believe that that six-part Girl with the Dragon Tattoo miniseries made Netflix instant mm-hmm. a success. That's what yeah. I was Okay, you're on, you're on board with yeah. me, right? Because I, I feel- remember this being one of the ones that's like, it's on Netflix streaming. 
you, you have to watch it. it. You can just watch it on your Xbox. You don't have to rent. You don't have to. They don't have to ship you the DVD. Yeah, like it is just right there. And you. But can I don't even think there was a physical release. Yeah. Right? It was like. You no, I don't t- think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure there probably was. Uh, Not of the wasn't, longer version. That wasn't the selling point. Of yeah. It. Yeah. But like, you know, younger listeners might not remember this, but like people didn't know what to do with Netflix Instant when it launched. Yeah. Like people didn't understand the idea. I think a lot of like existing streaming video platforms were like really janky ad supported stuff. Mm-hmm. So the, the idea that like Netflix had this. Because I think Hulu you know, had existed already and it was. Hulu has just launched. But, it's, yeah. but Hulu, Hulu in 2009 is a platform to watch TV shows from the night before. Like syndicated if, television. Yes. Yeah. If you are watching catalog titles on Hulu, they are like Z-list chunk, right? Yeah. Like Troma put all their stuff up on Hulu. No <laughs> yeah. disrespect to Troma, but a lot of streaming video stuff was like straight-to-video horror from any decade and like sex comedies and stuff like that. And I think Netflix having this like prestigious, respected, you know, cultural phenomenon miniseries up on the platform helped sell the platform as a legitimate thing. Which and something with the sensibility, that... something with the sensibility of like an HBO series and not something exactly. that seems like it was produced by CBS or exactly ABC. Yeah. This is this is all to say uh we need to terminate our Neil Zardanoplev. Uh, because he's maybe more responsible for destroying the American cinema than any other man. (laughs) Who could have seen? I don't necessarily disagree with. What's Um, the worst thing Niels Arden Oplev ever did? Inadvertently create the streaming economy or make me watch Dead Man Down twice? (laughs) Well, he's not making you watch it twice. No, you're making me watch it. I'm making you watch it. Yeah. Um, I need to be terminated so I can't pitch you this book. I, I have to tell you, I have to tell you this thing because it just came to mind, and I just remember how crazy, how crazy it was at the time. But the original Netflix app that you would have on your iPhone was yeah. just to order DVD, like you yeah. couldn't stream sure. anything on it for the longest amount of time. And sure. yeah, they allowed you to put streaming on the very earliest iterations of smart TVs and, you know, gaming consoles and stuff like that. I remember for like the instant streaming, most people would plug their computer into the TV with an HDMI cable. Yeah. So that was how they watched it. I, I was in the movie theater ahead of time. So it was a midnight release for something when the app update happened that allowed you to stream stuff straight to the app on your phone and i just remember sitting there next to my friend it could have been like one of the it could have been like one of the deathly hallows yeah uh midnight releases and i just remember pulling up um i think it was shooter the mark Wahlberg movie and just being like i think it's gonna let me watch it right now if i wanted to and like clicking on it and the movie starting <laughs> and just having my my complete like understanding of reality get shattered right before my it's eyes it's insane yeah. like how recent that felt like something that could never happen it literally felt like i was teleported into like yeah. into the time that Star Trek is supposed to take place in. Like, yeah. <laughs> it did not seem and like now something it's that was like, possible. Yeah. And now I fucking watched this on fucking Roku.com today. 
yeah. with drive time as but just remember how impossible fucking... it was to like even on your phone to like watch youtube videos yeah. that like you would have to go to your computer you couldn't yeah. like your phone couldn't really handle yeah. it even though it could technically handle it no but i always remember you, you know the podcast film spotting yeah you're aware of its existence yeah there's an episode of film spotting from like 2006 like early 2006. I can never remember what they're talking about, but this is always burned into my brain where they're like, they're talking about some movie that's coming out that they're excited for. And they mention that like a trailer's available and they're like, yeah, if you just go to this website called, I think like youtube.com, it's a place where you can like watch videos on the internet. Trust me. It's legit. Like that's why you can watch the trailer there. And I'm like, Oh, how my sweet summer child, how soon. Connor, before we actually talk about Demand Down, I do have a question I need to ask you. Okay. Can you explain Travis Kelsey to me? Uh, what about him? <laughs> yeah, that just in general, like, what's his... I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's I a tight get end jock- for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, he's benefited a lot from having playing in the, the most electric offensive system, like in the history of the NFL. I, I so don't is it, necessarily is it, know. Is it, is it him specifically, or is it that he's got he's on a good team? Look, he's good. He's, yeah. he's not... He's not necessarily overrated from like a standpoint of why is he on the field, but his statistics are incredibly inflated because of the team that he plays in and the system that he plays in. And he's also benefited in terms of longevity that tight ends don't usually benefit from. So like at the end of the day, when you look at his career statistics are going to look insane compared to like a Gronkowski, even though I would say Gronkowski was probably better than him at everything you can do on a football field. And there was Gronk also a tight end. Yeah. Oh, they're also the same age and Gronk's been been retired for forever. Yeah. He's Gronk's been retired for so long that at one season he came out of retirement and won a super bowl and then retired again at the end of that season. And they're the same. I think he's, Gronk is like five months or six months older than Kelsey. Are you aware that there was like a five-year stretch where the WWE was like actively, aggressively <laughs> courting Gronk yeah. post-retirement to join him yeah. to such a degree that they like his best friend had like a pretty decent run with the WWE and they were like blatantly saying that it was because they were trying to entice Gronk into being in a tag team with this, with this guy, this like sealess shitty wrestler. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, it's funny because it is so insane that they are the same age considering, yeah. I mean, I, Gronk, know, I did not know that Kelsey had some shit happen to him when he was in college. So I don't think he went to the NFL until he had been in college for five years beforehand. And Gronk was only in college for three years before going to the NFL. So by the time Kelsey makes it to the league, Gronk's already like the dominant tight end okay. leading his team. And then just stuff like the sport has changed so much in the, since Mahomes really has entered the league. Now that, Teams have smaller tight ends. They're still good blockers, but you're the main responsibility of a tight end was essentially like you were a more athletic lineman that could catch a pass every once yeah. in a while. And now the tight end is predominantly a larger receiver who could block every once in a while when needed. So okay. you know, I know enough about football that that makes sense. Yeah. I wanted to get your your picks on this, Connor, because I'm pretty sure you are the only person in the United States of America who cares about football and Taylor Swift. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm I'm clearly the only person who's been tuned in to what's been happening on both yeah. fronts. Yeah, but like legitimately, like like your your this is your interest. Like I asked Connor for his favorite uh, Taylor Swift songs the other day, and I've just been like telling them to people, and they've been like needing to like sit down because uh, <laughs> they're like so stunned that that's your list. <laughs> really, I don't. I, I feel it's like just, it's not that crazy of a list that i gave you it's got way more deep cuts than i think people think you would have oh <laughs> on a taylor swift list well i mean i don't think they i don't think they understand that i i reside in an apartment i mean yeah. you know people know i'm currently unemployed due to the strikes but i don't think they they understand that i spend most of my time in an apartment where taylor swift is on repeat hell on yeah. spotify yeah hell playing yeah. non-stop <laughs> all right i don't dead want to talk about down, dead brother. man down I just want to run out the clock until I have to leave. Can we just do that? I mean, <laughs> do you want to just read the text of Waiting for Godot? It's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like Waiting for Godot. <laughs> should we just, should we live watch um, the uh, <laughs> the scene from Nostalgia when he's walking with the, with the candle? Um, Lauren Ipsum, Lauren Ipsum, Lauren Ipsum. Just loop that. I'll just give me a clean yeah. read and I'll just loop that for the next night. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how you want to dive into this. It's a movie that is ex- <laughs> like, is there a way to describe something that is so surface level dense and plot heavy yet retains? None of it matters. Well, like once you break the surface tension, there's almost nothing underneath it for you to dig into. Can I actually, can I read something? Yeah. Uh, I just saw this and and I think this kind of, gets at the problem with dead man down and then i'll get into the fucking michigas of the whole thing so this is this is from the critic josh lewis host of the sleazoids pod- podcast uh this is his from his letterbox review of dead man down um this is a wwe studios production with a genuinely genuinely ridiculous plot that should be a lean fun dumb actioner and said instead because this is by some acclaimed danish dude it's actually a two-hour ponderous self-serious character drama about revenge ellipses here never seen an otherwise perfectly fine dumb guy thriller so intensely hellbent on posturing more depth to its own detriment Right. That's what this is. This is a DTV action movie, like cast as serious crime epic. Well, as badly as I didn't want to be doing this, I did attempt to it wasn't very fruitful, but I did attempt to like research how this film actually came into being and got made because it's so it's such a strange like mix of actors and mix yeah. of uh, behind the camera personnel and, 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 and a weird production companies that companies, don't really yeah. exist. And I, I, I just, the, I can't really understand it. And there's the, not really a, uh, there's not really like an oral history of it. No. And yeah. Cause it's a movie no one cares about is the problem. Yeah. Especially um, at a time when I feel like we, I feel like in the 2010s, Probably between 2014 and 2018, you could find a lot of history about like every single thing that came out because every single publication was just hammering the content button. They didn't really care about quality as much as like we need something on everything. We need to hit every diverse market base that we can possibly get. Any fan who might be a fan of any property, we need material for them there and this is like right before that's about to happen 
Um, yeah. This is still, and, and, you know, we've come out of it now and now we kind of similarly exist in a place where the, the things that the media wants to care about and spend time to is very selective, but yeah, well, it's, I... it's, a, it's, 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 it's a very strange combination. Um, For me, the most interesting thing about dead man down is its production context. Um, what little of this production context I know. And it's not even the most interesting part of that production context. It's like a, a, a side note in that production context. Um, before we, I get into the, the boilerplate and the plot for this movie, I wanted to say this. This movie was released by Film District, right? Mm-hmm. Remember Film District? Functionally a fake distributor. Yeah. Um, Here's the thing about Film District. They only existed for a couple of years. I don't per- particularly think of them as like a great distributor, right? They like put out some bangers, but I could read you the list of fucking. Here, I'll do it right now. Ready? Ready for the complete Film District filmography? The whole thing? Yeah. Okay. Because it's interesting. It's actually a real time and a place. Uh, okay, we okay, need to vamp okay. on this. Yeah. Insidious, right? Mm-hmm. Monster hit out the gate. Mm-hmm. Soul Surfer, which is the fucking Anna Sophia Rob gets her shark, gets her arm bit off by a shark movie. Based on a true story. Uh, remind me to tell you my Anna Sophia Rob story one day. Okay. Don't Feel Afraid of the Dark, one of the many movies ghost directed by Guillermo del Toro. Oh, really? Yeah. A little movie called Drive. You might have heard of it. <laughs> I may have heard of it. Yeah. It's possible. Uh, the Rum Diary, the other Johnny Depp Hunter S. Thompson movie. Is the Rum Diary possibly the most the most important uh, popular cultural artifact that I don't know colors twenty twenty two, the year twenty twenty two? Talking about oh, because... how nobody would shut the fuck up about this divorce case that was happening. That was two years ago. Yeah, yeah. That was I two forgot years ago. That's where they met. Um, that's where they met, dude. That, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the land of blood and honey, the Angelina Jolie movie. Yeah. Uh, a little movie called that Lockout. movie had a very strange release. I, re- I remember yeah. when that movie was coming out. Um, uh, Lockout, aka Space Jail, another movie that has a weirdly long, like, legal fallout to Escape it. from New Space. Yeah, that movie fucking rules yeah. better than better than Escape from New York. Um, Safety Not Guaranteed. So, like, okay, now you just unleash Colin Trevorrow on the world. <laughs> uh, Looper. People love that movie when it came out. That's insane. So, I was one of them. That's insane. <laughs> Looper, Red Dawn, fucking the Gerard Butler movie playing for keeps. The Red Dawn remake is Josh Peck and Hemsworth, right? They're the brothers. Am I right? Yes, I think so. Yes, it is. Um, Parker, the Jason Statham Parker movie. Uh, that Taylor Hackford that made. That's bad. I know it De- exists, but I, I just yeah. literally do not remember that movie. Uh, let, let, let me just finish this here. Dead Man Down. Mm-hmm. Okay, if we want to talk about why Dead Man Down gets screwed, um, <laughs> Olympus Has Fallen and the Evil Dead remake. Same fucking distributor, right? They're fucking Dead Man Down. Yeah. Insidious 2, the Old Boy remake, Paul W.S. Anderson's Pompeii, and William Brent Bell's werewolf movie Where. Now, pitch, put those movies in your brain, right? That whole canon of work. I told you. Do you want to know why Film District went out of business? Why? Why? Because, why. again, after that body, that 
body of work. Yeah. When Jane Seamus retired from Focus Features, Focus Features hired the film district guy to run oh. to run Focus Features. So he shuttered Film District. So he, he just folded he essentially film district. just collapsed it. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. but I'm just saying. Those movies, Dead Man Down, The Old Boy Remake, Red Dawn, Lockout, mm-hmm. Pompeii got the fucking dude the focus features job, which I think is insane. That is insane. Especially if- especially when you consider that like every single one of these releases could have been a, a more productive. Re- I mean, Drive got fucking sued. Because yep. of the release of that film. Yep. <laughs> because of the yep. way that that film was marketed. And <laughs> also like yeah basically every hit they legitimately have besides um drive they're pairing with someone who's a bigger deal mm-hmm. like insidious is bloom house tristar does looper with them right tristar and ghost house do evil dead with them right millennium does olympus you know like like it, whenever they're like left to their own devices they kind of like shit the bed um the other thing about film district is i do think they maybe have the best fanfare of all time I normally don't like long fanfares. Uh, I like them short and sweet, but the film district one, which like starts in like a window and goes out into a street. It's like, it's really nice. Yeah. No, that is true. Yeah. I've always, I've always liked I don't know if I have a favorite. I mean, I'm sure I do when I see it and like, you know, when you're watching the, 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 my, my all time favorite fanfare is universal to be clear. It's the universal logo. But if we're talking like mini majors, like I would put Film District out there with fucking Focus Features. I love and New the Focus Line. Features one. Focus yeah. is great. New Line's great. Studio Canal is great. Also, the A24 one before I instinctually associate it with like annoying people in my head. Exactly. Like in, that, in that beginning moment when you would kind of see the, the, different parts of the letter form together yeah. with that grain on it. Yeah. You know what the problem with the A24 fanfare is? what every time they try to like fuck with it and do something cute with it it's annoying that is and it true. shouldn't be yeah whereas like every time they like fuck with like the warner brothers logo you're like oh, it's oh, it's oh, every oh, time oh, they oh, fuck oh. with the warner brothers logo it's awesome it's yeah. it's way better than just the regular <laughs> warner brothers logo which uh, and to be clear the new warner brothers logo is bad stop using i don't that. like it i famously no. kind of like it did they change it from the skinny shield i don't know Honestly. The, the the one they launched with Tenet, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Where it's it's skinny. I don't know. I think it looks good, man. I think yeah. low key, every Warner Brothers release should have uh the Looney Tunes characters come out behind sure. it. Like sure. not regardless of what the movie is. It should have the Looney, Looney Tunes characters yeah. come out behind it, but also it should be the like 70s Saul Bass <laughs> Warner Brothers logo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We, we really don't, don't want to talk, talk about, about Dead Man Down. Yeah. Took my AC unit out and then it got suddenly really warm. So I'm like fucking dying in here. Uh, and can, I can't open the window. And um, are you capable of summarizing this film? I think so. Okay. The film is the 2013 thriller Dead Man Down. It's directed by Neil Zardin Oplev and starring Numi Rapace. Uh, their their first big American collaboration after the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, written by J.H. Wyman, who is best known for writing The Mexican, which is the only uh, Gore... No, it's not the only Gore Verbinski. What am I saying? It's one of the Gore Verbinski's I haven't seen. I was like, wait, I haven't seen like half of his movies. What am I talking about? Uh, 
And as someone responsible for Fringe, I have never seen Fringe, but I now hate Fringe and I hate the Mexican. Um, <laughs> I said it stars Numi Rapace. It also stars Colin Farrell, Dominic Cooper, Terrence Howard, F. Murray Abraham, um, Armand DeSanti, the only true Gotti, uh, Wade Barrett, uh, Luis De Silva, and <laughs> fucking jump scare Isabel Huppert. Yeah, <laughs> truly, crazy. Truly. I have a hot Isabel Huppert take. Um, you know what? I'm going to hit you with my Isabel Huppert take now. Okay. Isabel Huppert, one of the best actresses of all time. Right? Yeah. Yes. We're in agreement there? Yeah. Up until the 2022 film Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, which she should have won an Academy Award for, had Isabel Huppert ever given a good English language performance? Ooh, I because I don't think so. I think she's always bad. Um, and yes, that includes Heaven's Gate. I don't because all I, she does is fucking do the Malik twirl in Heaven's Gate. I'm, I'm, you know, you were giving me shit last week, but I'm, I'm also noted on being like, I'm, I'm in the majority on the Heaven's Gate people of like, this is actually a bad movie. That's like, fucking insane. It's a masterpiece. I, I don't think so. Have you watched the full cut? I have. Yeah, the long one. Yeah, yeah. fucking great. Too long. No, too short. And then when you cut it, it sucks. Too short. Too short. <laughs> um, what what are her what are her other American what, her English language? I um, mean, what am I thinking of? I contentiously, I don't think she's very good in Hal Hartley's Amateur, which is like a near perfect movie. Otherwise, and people love that one. She's that she's bad in Huckabee's. She's really bad in this. Um, she's like okay in Greta. But you can tell she's like wrestling with it. I love fucking Louder Than Bombs, the Joaquin Trier movie. But she's not very good in Louder Than Bombs. Like, I just like, she always feels like she's wrestling with the English, you know? Yeah. In a way that she's not comfortable with. I think I agree. But she's not really her. It's not like her filmography is littered with American no. and English. Oh, no, 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 no. Which yeah. is why it's extra weird that she's in fucking Dead Man Down. That's what I'm talking And about, she's going to be in fucking Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby later this year. <laughs> oh, September 9th, 2013. Yeah. Oh, TIFF. Um, TIFF. It's actually 2013. Well, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Is it comes. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the thing about the spirits of rigby is it's a fucking insane idea <laughs> and then releases. everyone's like yeah. it, it, it plays at tiff and everyone's like this is a fucking insane idea and then it just can't get released because it's an insane idea did you see mrs harris goes to paris you, you're supposed to speak on a podcast Connor. i haven't, I haven't <laughs> seen it I, I just didn't want your reaction because i know how much you love that movie oh, man yeah. she's so fucking good and Mrs. Harris, she fucking hates Mrs. Harris, dude. She fucking hates Mrs. <laughs> she Harris. She hates Mrs. Harris. Do you know that Mrs. Harris basically invents communism and Mrs. Harris goes to Paris? Wait. Oh. <laughs> okay, I gotta. I do have to watch. I, I was planning on watching it. I just don't know, like, other stuff came up probably. Uh, I, I think, I think you will like Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. I assume I so, because I'm kind of be... into that, like, Brit- whimsical British stuff. It's so yeah. whimsical. Um, it's basically about a, a, a movie about a woman who was so nice that everyone she ever meets, like, decides to move heaven and earth to, like, show her an act <laughs> of small kindness. Um, it fucking rules, man. You, you'll have a good time with Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. I, I hope they it. make a sequel. I should watch it. Well, there's, you know like there are, a, there's, like, a ton of books, right? There's four books. Yeah. 
what are they called? I had something I needed to ask you, but I just for like, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Mrs. Harris, they're they're actually Mrs. Harris, right? They like they yeah. drop the H in the titles of the books. Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Mrs. Harris goes to New York. Mrs. Harris goes to Parliament, which is apparently the serious one. And Mrs. Harris goes to Moscow. <laughs> like she just she just like pops in and she's like, "What's all this then?" Yeah, I <laughs> know. So what funny. year is this supposed to be? How does she get to Moscow? It's the fifth. It's seventies, I think. He wrote that one in the seventies. Okay. okay, what were you gonna ask me? I, I, I for the, the life of me, I can't remember. But you need to try to summarize I don't this movie. To. Okay, I actually think it's pretty simple. I guess so because, and you'll you'll understand why I think it's pretty simple. I mean, I like I like, I think like most films that we have covered other than minority report minority report is really the only one that comes to mind where it's like every single aspect of that movie yeah. is important and weirdly hearts war of that movie function hearts war is and so strangely dense. hearts war yeah yeah okay um but i we, think by the way we got it we got to continue the hearts war conversation on this episode i think every oh and miami vice too falls into the the yeah. other camp okay. but other than those three films I think every other one we've covered, even if they are good movies that have intricate plots and a lot of moving parts, they can still be like kind of summarized pretty clearly just with like a general description of yes. what's happening. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So Colin Pifero plays Victor, who is an enforcer for a mobster named Alphonse, played by Terrence Howard, who is affiliated with both the Jamaican and the Eastern European mobs in New York. Um, unbeknownst to Alphonse or anyone else in the crew, Victor is actually a Hungarian uh, immigrant named Laszlo, who some years earlier Alphonse had ordered assassinated with his family. Just two years. Um, two years earlier had ordered assassinated with his family um, and left for dead. And now Victor has infiltrated Alphonse's career. How? Given that. Apparently, all these men knew each other. Never explained in the Speaks movie. with a completely normal American accent. Yeah, with, a, with with suddenly yeah. with a perfect American accent, has infiltrated Alphonse's career and has been sending him like threatening letters and like to attempt to psychologically torment him before he properly gets his revenge. This causes Alphonse to go off the deep end and start hunting for what he assumes to be what other crime boss is trying to muscle in on his territory and leads him to start picking wars with other equivalent mid-level gangsters. Meanwhile, as Victor is like engaging in this campaign of psychological terror uh, against Alphonse, he is having a strange relationship develop, develop with a neighbor of his in the building across the street, played by Numi Rapace, who is a beautiful French woman with an extreme facial scar. After in supplied like weeks of them just like making eye contact to each other through their respective windows, I think they wave and at waving, each other. Yeah. Um, she reaches out to him. They start dating, but then she quickly reveals that she's been doing this because she has a video of him killing someone unclear who in um, his own apartment, in his apartment for some yeah. reason. And she wants him to kill the man who got into a car accident with her and disfigured her face. Okay. Then literally what who, do I remember here? this correctly? 
was a drunk driver, but he is also like a district courts judge. So he I guess just like got out of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he had like this a little bit of community service. Sense. This yeah. movie does make sense. Okay. Meanwhile, Victor's friend, uh, what's his fucking name? Uh, Dominic, Dominic Cooper. Cooper. <laughs> Victor's friend, Dominic Cooper, uh, who's a new initiation initiate in the gang, takes it on himself to try to figure out who the person is who is harassing Alphonse and starts like investigating the case and is constantly trying to rope Victor into helping him basically investigate himself. Additionally, listed as Darcy. Darcy is his name. Yeah. Victor then kidnaps the brother of an Albanian mobster who was also involved in the murder of his family, um, tortures him in an abandoned boat, and before killing him, records a video in which this brother says that Alphonse is kidnapping him. Abandoned boat is is a a wild... (laughs) understatement <laughs> it's like yeah, an, it's abandoned an abandoned naval ship. carrier or something it's, it's, like that it's yeah. it's an abandoned um luxury cruiser i think or that's something. what it is yeah, yeah um yeah. yeah okay so basically he kidnaps the brother and tries is intending to make it look like alphonse is the one who has kidnapped the brother so that he can like set a gang war between these two men that he hates and they can all kill each other he falls in love with numi rapaz's character beatrice and decides that he doesn't want to kill uh, the drunk driver because that would weigh too heavily on her conscience. She in turn falls in love with him and decides not to send the video of the brother framing Alphonse uh, so that he won't get into it. What then happens instead is that Alphonse and the Albanians just realize that one guy is targeting them and they decide to team up with each other and track them down. Meanwhile, the worst thing she could have done. Yeah, exactly. She made it so much worse. Meanwhile, Darcy, and this is where it's great, right? So just to clarify, none of Colin Farrell's mind games matter at all. Yeah. (laughs) Because these two dudes just decide to brute force everything. Or if anything, he's just making it easier for them to figure out what's going on. Meanwhile, the whole Dominic Cooper subplot where he's like investigating every piece of information and you're like, when's he going to catch up to Colin? Is resolved when he walks into Colin's apartment and finds the like secret conspiracy room where Colin has basically like written, I am the one who is harassing Alphonse. So that whole plot doesn't matter either. Right. So this is what I'm saying. Nothing that happens in this movie matters because it is just resolved with a series of coincidences. Darcy then kidnaps Beatrice. They all go to a house. Victor then fucking kills all of them. Somehow then, despite the fact that Victor is running around with a machine gun shooting them, Beatrice manages to play the video, which convinces the Albanians Alphonse has been behind this the whole time, even though all his men are getting killed downstairs. So they kill each other, and then he lets Darcy live because they're friends. Um, and then Colin Not even and really, Rapaz, it's just because Darcy has a kid, and yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't want the kid to go without a yeah. deadbeat drug dealer criminal fight. I don't know what actually... And then they smooch on the subway, and the movie's over. I, I to, before to get into the larger parts of it, just because this is coming right off the tongue right now. I I do have a problem with crime movies in general. That like I need to know. I I as the viewer, me specifically, need to know like what actual criminal enterprises are these people involved in? Oh, a billion because percent. For me, as the type of viewer I am, and the person who's 
drawn to this kind of fiction and and watches a lot of it that's like the interesting stuff to me that colors like the rest of the activities of what they are doing so when it's something like so ambiguous as this where i'm just i assume they're involved in the drug trade but i'm not entirely sure it is unclear yeah i don't like the idea of anonymous criminality yeah no i totally understand what you're saying um because they don't well they don't do any crimes beyond like killing each other Right. Well, this movie starts in media res of like a gang war that's already in motion. Yeah. But it would just be so much interesting. It would be so much more interesting to know. I think something that makes like Scorsese's crime films so compelling is that he always in all of his crime films seems to capture of like this really started as just like a group of friends who were behaving outside the law and then snowballed and grew into this like unbreakable monster of a thing where people have to start killing each other just to keep their own livelihoods alive. And like people like Scorsese, people like Michael Mann, like seem to always have the awareness that like these are in fact just people and like, through a series of circumstances have ended up becoming criminals because of like the environments that they were thrust into and their younger lives and stuff like that. Not to compare this movie to those because it's, that's an impossible, that's an impossible thing to do. But like, I just, I, I, I always dislike it when it's a movie that's like, these guys are bad and they kill people and they're criminals and you just don't know why. Yeah. And I personally just need just a, a a sprinkle of intentionality yeah. that someone involved in this movie has an understanding of why there is a crime syndicate that involves Terrence Howard, a bunch of Albanian immigrants, a bunch of Jamaicans who are run by a non-Jamaican British black guy, and the whole thing the whole thing is operating under a Greek boss. I'm also like, I just need you to explain the fucking racial blending because you know what organized crime famously is, is integrated. Oh yeah, man. It's very open. It's a very open environment. You know, lots of people of different backgrounds and different tastes involved. Just hanging out together. (laughs) Like in New York city. Right. Yeah. Where, hmm, hmm, hmm. Where's the fucking mafia in this whole movie? (laughs) Where's the police presence? This movie is a state. Are there any police officers in this movie at all? I don't think so. You hear, like, you see, like, a cop car drive in the background when Colin, like, does the most legitimately pretty fucking cool thing in the world, which is when when he he hangs the the dude. Yeah. 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 I mean, that part is pretty cool. It's pretty fucking cool. I actually, um, I'm going to say this, and this is part of why I read that Josh Lewis letterbox earlier. I think this movie is strongest when it becomes an action movie. I, I think I the agree action is yeah. generally like pretty decent. I think the meditative European stuff is like. Sucks. It, and the love story is trash. The love story is so bad. And yeah. uh, I have more. There, there there are things I would like to say about this movie, even though we neither of us want to talk about this movie. Um, if we start from the beginning, it's like this movie begins. And as an American viewer, you're like, OK, so this is like Barcelona or <laughs> Budapest. And then <laughs> you go through like an entire the entire initial first chunk of the film where nobody speaks with an American accent. Yeah. But they're all speaking English. And then all of a sudden he meets up with um, F. Murray Abraham and they're in like 
Chinatown. Yeah. And I'm like, is this New York City? And then he's driving his truck around, has New York plates on it. And then they're in Soho. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I The no thing idea. that's weird about this <laughs> An movie, American crime movie. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's a little shot in New York, but it's mostly shot in Philadelphia. It makes a lot of sense that because because I, you know, someone who spent a lot of time in both cities, I would gesture to say that Philadelphia doesn't necessarily always feel like an American city when you're sure. just like walking down random parts of Philadelphia. But 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 yeah. this movie makes a lot more sense if it's set in like a mid-sized city that might have like a weird organized crime scene free from the traditional structures of the Jewish and Italian and Irish mobs on the on the coast, you know? If New York City has probably the most storied organized crime in American uh, you know, I don't know history. about that. But Chicago. Chicago. Sorry, yeah. baby. Well, We're number it's one. Between, it's between the two. It's between the two, Chicago and New York, and then Boston is a close second coming in behind yeah and but you're right like what like you could easily set this in baltimore yeah you could set this in you know uh cleveland like any other mid-sized east coast city would work would fit the bill um it's a it's a real boat the abandoned luxury (laughs) cruiser that he's using to like keep this guy hostage in is a real boat that really exists in philadelphia right like just is it abandoned or do people like just go on tours of it like that it's like i don't understand scuttled my understanding is that it's scuttled and like people are constantly like it's it's historically important enough to not get torn down but it's too fucking expensive to like maintain let alone run so, so it's, it's kind of just been sitting there, there for 50 yeah. years um, and they're like I mean, doing like baseline maintenance on it because it's like a historical artifact. I guess it would make sense because he doesn't want to risk that guy, anybody else finding him. I guess it would make sense that he brought him all the way to Philadelphia and he has to drive to yeah. Philadelphia every time he wants to. to I no, know, I think we're just supposed to read that that's in New York. Oh, you. Know. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, just saying, like, just set the fucking movie in Philadelphia. Guys. But does it not? I'm, what I'm saying is, does it not feel like it's Europe in the beginning? Oh yes, a billion. When they're percent. when they're fighting the Jamaicans and it's yeah. the, the general stuff that's shot on the street and at night and the way their apartment buildings look, like how Eastern Bloc and dystopic. That Despite the fact that again, I am like ninety percent sure this movie was mostly shot shot in the United States. It definitely has that yeah because imdb says this movie was shot in philadelphia and new york i'm not um, saying that it wasn't i'm just saying no like, no it, it feels... has direct-to-video movie shot in romania yeah energy to exactly it, right yeah. i don't mean that disrespectfully i think um, to make a, a new york city crime film like you need to kind of either actively understand and play with the popular atmosphere of yeah. what we understand to be the new york city crime scene or actively acknowledge that and and subvert it and go against it but to kind of just like fall outside the venn diagram completely is just a misstep it it, it's too confusing and it it doesn't it doesn't work um in general my first feeling with that with this movie like right off the bat is like i can't understand the tonality because i don't understand the setting yeah 
like at oh, all. No, I, I'm talking about the social setting yes. as well as the physical setting. We were yeah. both too hard on Pride and Glory. Compared to this, yeah. Compared to this. Yeah. <laughs> a movie that at least feels like it's in conversation with actual New York organized crime. A movie at least it's like they're Irish guys, they're cops. Yeah. They live yeah. in the suburbs, but they work in the I'm still in the so mad that that movie's yeah. bad. Because like that movie should be so good. It it yeah. That was that might be that might be uh, in terms of all the movies that I haven't seen when we started this podcast. That one might be the biggest letdown for me. It's like the, the heartbreaker had, of the group. The one that I had always known had existed as well, yeah. but just had never gotten to. And wasn't I was like, it, oh, I'll finally have an excuse to watch that movie, and then it, it just wasn't very good. It would have yeah. been so much fun if we could have been like, we fucking uncovered a hidden gem, gang. It's been sitting there in plain sight this whole time. That would have been delightful. And yet, here we are. And yet, and yet, now our fucking hidden gem's gonna have to be 13 lives, and I feel like everyone's already catching up to 13 lives. I mean, Uh, intermission is a pretty good Yo, good point, good point. A movie I keep forgetting about, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I liked a lot. Um, So speaking of the, the DTV energy, though, I do kind of want to get into this movie's production history because this is like the primary thing I think about with this movie, Um, which is that this is a WWE Studios production. Now, Connor, I don't know how familiar you are with the film production company, WWE Studios. Hmm, You know, it sounds like another company. (laughs) Yeah. So here's the thing. (laughs) WWE Studios is obviously launched as a company that can make action movie vehicles for First, The Rock, and then other wrestlers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I they would have say a... like namely John Cena, probably mm-hmm. after The Rock. It's it Cena only really does two. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So they're. Uh, I just wanted to pull this up here. Their list, because like in their when they launch in the early two thousands, they're they're making like pretty big deal movies. So like you've got Scorpion King. The Rundown, Walking Tall, Sino Evil, The Marine, Condemned, 12 Rounds, right? Like, the first, like, seven years of their career, those are, like, all theatrically released movies. Like, the first couple ones do pretty well. They start tapering off. Come, like, the turn of the 2010s, though. I think, um, to put it plainly, like, this beginning period from The Scorpion King through probably The Marine 2, it's like, they understand the assignment. They yes, understand well, what the function of WWE films yes. should be. Yeah. But Marine 2 is the big turning point because Marine 2 is really where they start focusing more on direct-to-video or movies that barely get a theatrical release and are functionally just like direct-to-video action stars starring instead yeah. of like A-listers, like B-list wrestlers, right? And they kind of lock into that vibe for a couple years. Dead Man Down is actually a the first movie in what was supposed to be a like big revamp of WWE Studios as a company. After like several years of just being a DTV stuff and like running on fumes, I don't know if they had like a turnover internally. But they clearly had a rethink. They were like, no, we are like Thriller Bloomhouse, right? Like we are going to make mid-budget 
you know, movies with like B-listers in them or maybe like faded stars in them that can like turn a healthy profit that aren't vehicles for the wrestlers. Um, now, as a concession, all these movies did still have wrestlers in them. Connor, can you clock the wrestler in uh, Dead Man Down? Uh, I have absolutely no idea. Uh, it's Wade Barrett, who's like just one of the fucking goons. He's just one of the guys. Yeah, he gets the cool death at the end where they he gets blown up. What? That's like 80 people like get blown up. Yeah, but he like movie, trips dude. the tripwire. Oh, okay. but that's my point. This movie is not a Wade Barrett vehicle, right? No. This if anything, a... I've, I've been wanting to call this out to you. Yeah. Like, I'm convinced that Vincent D'Onofrio is on camera in this movie. You are thinking of Wade Barrett. Is that true? Yes. The okay. guy with like the weird chin. Yeah. Yeah, that's Wade Barrett. Okay. Who is like a, a mid a WWE mid carter. So they make Dead Man Down, which is the launch title. And then they make a week after this comes out the call. Halle which Barry, is right? the Halle Berry like 911 operation, which is to the record. This is the baffling part about what the how I'm gonna tell the story. The biggest hit WWE Studios ever made. I their mean, most that makes sense to me. I, guess. I believe their most the successful King. movie. Uh, domestically, I think. I think the Scorpion King still outpaced it uh, worldwide, but I believe certainly post the rock era. Um, oh, you know, it's not the highest grossing. It's the it's the most profitable one they made. I'm sorry, that was what it is. Oh, okay, because that's the thing, right? You're yeah. you're it's the Bloomhouse model. You're going cheaper. They make this. They make the call. They make the great Luke Evans slasher movie. No one lives. Um, I don't know if you've seen that. It's by. Uh... Re- I don't know if I've seen that. I'm guessing no. If you're saying it's, it's, it's by the great Japanese like splatter director um, Rihe Kitamura, who also made uh, fucking Versus and Godzilla: Final Wars and the Midnight Meat Train, a movie we will do on this podcast one day, God willing. <laughs> um, um, but so they like revamp as this like we're gonna make small budget thrillers that have a huge upside, slot wrestlers into them, and we're still gonna pump out the DTV movies. And then they make those three movies. And then they're like, okay, what if we just make mid-budget thrillers that don't have a wrestler in them and have huge upsides? And they make Mike Flanagan's Oculus. Oh. Which is also a fucking hit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That movie's a hit. And and then they're like, JK Kids, just DTV action movies starring wrestlers for the rest of the course. Even though this experiment demonstrably worked because you have the call and you have oculus yeah. right like two I mean, movies that are hits um i believe the only theatrical movie like properly theatrical movie they have made since then is fighting with my family uh which they basically like bullied their way into producing that's that's a good example of one where it's like they're essentially selling the licensing fee to the uh no they have a big hand in that movie Okay. Have you seen that movie? I have actually seen that movie. Because that movie is a fucking... Well, I understand the the context of why they would be involved. Yeah. But, yeah. They have... You can see McMahon's script notes on that movie. Yeah, no, you're you're right. You're right. Yeah. I was wrong. I I guess it was more... I guess it was more in the sense of, like, if you want to make this movie, this is the way the relationship is going to go. Oh, yeah. That's why I said they bullied the win. Uh, Do you want to know what the last live-action WWE film's release was because they actually haven't put out a movie in several years several like what year was the last one that was out? a covid release then i you could tell me but i'm not gonna know what it is. 
what it, it is, was <laughs> buddy games the josh yeah. duhamel directorial debut oh god about like a bunch of bros who play games <laughs> starring josh duhamel dax shepherd kevin dillon Seamus, a bunch of bros that play Swardson. What's the actual like? What's Neil the actual... McDonough as himself? Come on, <laughs> Wait, Neil you McDonough like... as himself in this movie? Yeah, that's kind of cooking. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's kind of. <laughs> Are the rest of them don't play themselves? No, but McDonough plays himself. But McDonough plays himself. So they're friends with actor Neil McDonough. I gotta figure this out. Hold on, I'm reading the Wikipedia plot synopsis. I'm trying to see if there's like a quick... Okay. The film centers on a group of six friends that reunite after a a five-year hiatus to engage in a challenging series of dares and games to help lift one of their own out of depression and also give a chance of winning $150,000 while doing so. It sounds like tag. What? It sounds like tag. It sounds exactly like tag, except you ever more see complicated. Tag? I have seen tag. Yeah. Do you remember how spoilers for tag tag ends up being about how fucking Ed Helms is dying of cancer? Yeah. And just really wants to tag Jeremy Renner. They only reveal um, that like the last like half an hour of the movie, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. the most depraved twist I've ever heard in my life. I mean, um, it's not I, necessarily a twist, I don't think. I guess you know like, something like when you're watching that movie, you know something like that is eventually gonna happen. What's better, tag or dead man down? Uh if uh, Oh, that's a hard one because I'm trying to think I'm trying to think about it in these terms. Like if I'm at somebody's place and they have something on the TV and it's dead man down and Colin Farrell's about to hang the guy and then jump out the window <laughs> with the extension cord. I'm like, I'll sit down and watch this. But almost the entirety of the rest of the movie, I'm like, we got to turn this piece of garbage off. And <laughs> it's so it's, fucking cool when he jumps out the window, though, if it's tag and it's just Jeremy Renner. Just the stunt double of Jeremy Rummer do, doing like backflips. I'll probably watch those parts of the movie. I, I fucking, I do not like this movie. I really fucking hate Tag. <laughs> I think Tag is a borderline war crime. Of you movie. would rather watch uh, Dead Man Down. They're both again, fucking two hours long. Tag. That is true. That's the other thing. <laughs> this movie should not be two hours long. No. This movie should be a clean 85 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I would say 75. <laughs> I think you no, could fit you know, Oh, buddy. Oh, you're speaking minutes. my language. You want you yeah. want tag to be 75 minutes long? Oh, ta- tag that. should be like no, tag, 55 tag, minutes long. Sorry, yeah. Tag should be 42 minutes long and it should play during like a TV hour with commercial breaks. It's like insane that like tag is the closest Hannibal Buress ever got to headlining uh, an American studio film. That's true. Yeah. Have you seen the 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 Eric Andre one? Is it called Bad Trip? I have seen Bad Trip. Yeah. He is not in Bad Trip. Is he not in Bad Trip? I don't think he is. Is he? You're thinking of Lil Rel. Isn't Lil Rel? Yeah, Lil Rel. Oh, in it Bad is Trip. Lil Rel. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I was just have thinking seen... of. I was just thinking it was Hannibal Burris because Hannibal because he is and Eric on Andre. Eric yeah. Andre no, Eric yeah. Andre dumped Hannibal Burris and got Lil Rel and got Lil Rel an upgrade. <laughs> um. Have you seen what's it called? I literally just planked on a bad trip. Yeah, I have seen Bad Trip. Yeah, that's what, I, I don't. That out there. It's not a studio movie, but I was just gonna no. say like Lil yeah. Rel is a lead of that movie. 
Yeah, but I said Hannibal yeah. Buress. Um, I know you did. Connor, I fucked it you're up. You're getting into trouble here, buddy. I fucked um, it up. Uh, it is also a studio movie. Um, yeah, I, but it's not. It's not a studio movie in the sense that, I, that you were saying. Yeah, yeah. I don't like hidden camera comedy. I find it very unpleasant. Right? Like, I think it's like I. I, I, I never vibed with it. I don't like it in Jackass. I don't like it when anyone does it. I think it's hacky. The end credit stuff of Bad Trip, which is just them like post prank, like revealing that it was a bit to all the people they've just pranked, is like the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. It's so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's my bad trip take. Sure, I watch enough Impractical Jokers that I don't have any fault. You with would it. fucking watch fucking Impractical Jokers. I don't know if I, I don't you know would. if I turn it on like specifically, would. but if it's on the TV, I'm not turning it That's... off. <laughs> you hand the remote to someone, you turn your back and you're like, I, I have no part of this, <laughs> but also turn on Impractical Jokers. But also turn turn on a true TV or whatever network <laughs> it is. I don't even I literally remember. don't think I've ever watched Impractical Jokers. I mean, it's not, it's, 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 uh, it's innocent in the way that I don't think it would offend you. Wasn't one of them canceled? I don't know. Could be. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure. We really don't want to talk about Dead Man Down. <laughs> Something that I need to say about Dead Man Down say is it. that conclusively Colin Farrell is not a movie star. Thank you. This is the real, I was thinking about it while I was watching this movie and the love story between him and Numi Rapaz's character is absurd and would never work in a million years. But there is something to be said about the fact that like Robert Redford and Faye Dunaway work in Three Days of the Condor, even though they shouldn't work in that movie. And that there are like similar. Ooh, I'm, I'm heating up here. You get what I'm saying? Like there yeah. are similar there are similar love stories in films in which like within the context of the film, the love story should not actually work on camera, but because of the magnetism of the two movie stars who are playing the leads, it does work. And Colin Farrell is so interested in playing this guy in like the, the true martyrdom of post-trauma and so committed to revenge that he'll design his entire life around just pulling off this, this caper where he's going to murder like 80 people at once because he's a gifted yes. actor in that sense, I'm not even saying he necessarily gives a good performance in this movie, but because that's his process of acting, it doesn't work in the movie star context of yes. just being able to like let chemistry thrive off of like the magnetism that you bring to the table on screen. I think you're right. I don't think it entirely falls on his shoulders though. Not in this movie. Because admittedly yeah. he is playing against there being romantic chemistry between the two of them. Um, but there's an other half of why this love story does not work. And that <laughs> other half is that Numi Rapaz is a bad actress. Is she bad? I, she I is don't bad. think about her enough. She has given one good performance in her entire career. And admittedly, I think it is kind of an incredible performance, but I credit that to direction. Which one um, is? Did you best? see You Are Not Alone? You are not alone. From last year. I don't believe so. The fucking, what was it? Albania. You won't be alone. Sorry. The uh, 
Oh, Macedonian no, 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 no. But I do. I, I, I desperately, that's the, the, don't spoil it. But I know, I know, like the con, like I know what that movie's about, and it's a horror yeah. film, and it's like a medieval. It's not horror really film, a horror right? movie, though. Is but it's it's it falls within the the horror genre, I think. Not really. I I desperately need to see that movie. It's she's good really in that. You're good, she's and good she's it. really good in it. I mean, she's only in it for a little bit. Yeah, because everyone in that movie, like that movie, like comes and goes with actors. Um, she's very good in that movie, but that's because. That that movie's so directed, and such like a weird art film. It's like someone being good in a Malick movie, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Like it, it doesn't actually like speak to them as an actor. Oh, I God, think I need if to you're good that in movie. that movie, that movie's so fucking good, dude. Yeah. Um, it's hard. It's it's right. it's difficult to qualify her in as the girl with the dragon tattoo when you have the the it's just a to... good fit. Yeah, it's just a good fit, right? Um, so she just go with the dragon to do it's it, it's like a breakthrough performance but like I don't it's just all flash right it's just all sex it's just all the cool look like I don't actually think there's any there there it's like I'm the shape so... of her face works yeah. like the way her eyes are aligned in her brow yes. works with that part so um, right off girl with the dragon tattoo she does Sherlock Holmes to the sequel which she's terrible at, yeah. right I, and people yeah. are like, whatever. She There's plays a gypsy that... in that in that film, right? Yeah. Sure. Shouldn't don't say that. Um, you can't. That's not. That's weird. No. Uh, oh. Anyway, th- there's always that like awkward like non-American like non-English speaking actor coming over like adjustment period. I think everyone was like willing to give her a pass for her being bad in Sherlock Holmes too. Um, then she does Prometheus, which I'm sorry, uh, Prometheus sucks donkey butt, and she's don't the worst part me. of it. Don't apologize. Um, to me. I'm apologizing to the fucking nerds out there who insist that Prometheus is good. Um, is she the worst part of Prometheus? In terms of performances or in terms of like parts of Prometheus? Well, that's a dual question. Is she is she the worst performance in Prometheus of all of them? No. Is Guy She's, Pierce the worst? No, Guy Pierce is good in Prometheus. She's really bad in Prometheus, but I think the worst performance of Prometheus is actually Logan Marshall Green. That's a pretty that's a pretty bad one. Yeah. Who's a real bad an actor I like. And then Fastbender's just off in the corner cooking. Yeah, Fastbender's yeah. cooking and he's he's I mean, he's literally <laughs> cooking in the sense that like he's gonna deliver something to us later. Um yeah, yeah. then she's in this right off that, and like she fucking stinks up the screen in this, right? Like, like any chance this movie had of working is just like ethered by the fact that Numi Rapace is incomprehensibly terrible in this movie. I don't even have words for it. It's like one of the worst leading performances of the past 10 years. I know we've 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 skipped past 10 years on this past 11 years. Um then off of that she does Passion, the Brian DePaulo movie mm-hmm. that only I like with McAdams, right? With McAdams. McAdams yeah. fucking owns bones in passion. McAdams is extraordinary in passion. It might be her best performance, and she's like maybe my favorite living actor. So know that I say that. Um now have you seen the drop? That's another movie we gotta bring up in the context of this episode, as like kind of I've never seen the drop. A better but bad version of what this movie is also attempting to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then after that, she does Alien Covenant, which she's 
barely in and it doesn't count, but I actually do think it's good. But what I mean by that is that the drop is a similar experiment of like Eastern European filmmaker comes to New York City to make a New York City crime film. And it does not feel like New York City in any way whatsoever. And and oh, it's the bullhead guy. It's it's uh, it's interesting that interesting. Yeah. Colin Farrell in Dead Man Down plays an immigrant who speaks with like a perfect New York accent in this movie where Tom Hardy in the drop plays a New Yorker who talks like his mouth is filled with peanut butter throughout the course of the entire film because Tom Hardy cannot do the accent in any way whatsoever. Um, it's a it's a it's a weird flip flopping effect to go from from film to film. But I think I if I haven't seen the drop since when it came out, it is better Never than this film is. There there are parts of it that are good. I I feel like she plays a very similar character. I don't think I like Dennis Lehane. I think that's. I've tried reading some fair. of his books, and I've never clocked with the books. Like I've never vibed on them. In terms of film adaptations, he's obviously responsible for one of the best movies ever made. He's also responsible for one of two of the worst movies ever made. I don't think I need to elaborate on which is which. I know one of them. That's the worst. Which one? Uh, Live by Night. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I don't want the other one to be Gone Baby Gone. No, Gone Baby Gone's like yeah. a five out of ten. I like Gone Baby Gone a lot. Eh, whatever. Um, I well, there's like only Shutter four, Island, and you so... know Shutter Island's a perfect masterpiece. Yeah. So Mystic River, the other that one. That movie is fucking unwatchable. I haven't seen it in a in a. Very, that movie very long is time. unwatchable. Is the drop an original screenplay by him or is it based on like a short story or is it based on a short story that he wrote after it's based on a short story. Okay. But he didn't write the screenplay. I think it's a novel. I don't know. I think he may have turned it into a novel. novel It's 224 page novel. Okay. I think, I think it's based on a short story and he wrote the novel after the screenplay. Yes, that's true. Okay. I've seen that's annoying. That's annoying. Dennis Lane. Um, that's very annoying. Uh, I should watch it that live movie by just night. Game kill the things. Dennis Lehane Hollywood thing. Yes. Yeah. I don't think it's ha- over. It's it's not. Yeah. It's not happening again. No, because apparently he did a Taron Edgerton serial killer thing. What is this? God, Apple TV things just straight up don't exist. I literally have never heard of this thing. Have you heard of Blackbird? Blackbird, Apple TV. It's based on Dennis Lehane. Is it based on a novel? No, it's a true story, that, but it's a Dennis Lehane is like the showrunner of it. Oh. Apple TV, Taron Edgerton plays Is that the one like, that Paul Walter Hauser won all the awards for? Yes. Okay. Paul Walter or Hauser at least got nominated. He got color. nominated for like every award, right? Sure. Paul Walter Hauser is a fucking Civil War reenactment serial killer. Fucking Taron Edgerton is the drug dealer who turns like FBI informant to get him busted. Uh, fucking Uh-oh. Ray Liotta plays Taron Edgerton's dad. Oh, sure. Man. Greg Kinnear's the lead cop on the investigation. Sure. I'm going to say that, um, yes, the Dennis Lehane Hollywood thing is over because uh, we've never heard of this. We're discovering we are discovering it as we talk, as we speak yeah. right now. Yeah. And like Taryn Hedgerton and Paul Walter Hauser are in it. 
man, Paul Walter Hauser's got to be like in something good again soon. This is my going request. to be the Tarantino lead. Is he? It's that's what it sounds like for the um the sure. Critic. I'm pretty sure. I'll allow it. Yeah. Oh, he's in the fucking uh Bill Burr movie that just came out. The dad, like old, old dads. dads or something. It is. You know how in like ancient Egyptian mythology they'd like weigh your sins against a heart to determine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like for the past week I've been in the exact same like status where I'm like, is my undying like desire to watch Bokeem Woodbine and Bobby Cannavale do anything? greater than my like complete <laughs> allergic reaction to bill burr and i truly do think they've completely canceled each other out and i have no idea if i want to watch this movie or not i i i don't imagine i'll be watching it unless it somebody cannot stand specifically tells me to watch it like unless somebody comes to me and they're like you're not going to imagine this thing that happens a half an hour in the movie you have to watch the movie then i'll then i may turn it on but i just don't anticipate that happening uh, anytime soon i'm gonna watch but, it I, yeah, just clutched, drop, I just found something out. The drop is very similar, very similar, I think, like mismatched aesthetics to a film that's supposed to be a New York crime story that doesn't okay. really work because none of the people feel organic to New York City, except for Gandolfini, who's in the movie. I think it's his last movie um, yes. that he was in. Uh, and he's good in it. As I don't know if he was ever bad, ever. Honestly. Um, no. Then... She's, she's in another a, Tom Hardy vehicle called Child 44. I don't know well, if you've ever that, seen that. This is what I'm saying. It's like yeah. she, after the drop, she's in a couple movies that basically don't get released. And then she's she has the cameo in off Alien off Covenant. Screen, like, tip, like, she's killed off off screen and then it's essentially a cameo in, yeah, Covenant. in Alien Covenant. Even though and then, what's interesting about that is like that is a redirect because the end of Prometheus is supposed to be like this is our new Ripley. Yes. This is our new character who's going to lead us exactly. through the, the series. She's yeah. done, right? Like Dead Man yeah. Down in the Drop and Passion like kill it. And then to my <laughs> knowledge, she makes one more Hollywood movie do you know what that is? Is it? Is it? Don't look. What was? I do know what it is. Okay. I do know what it is. Um. Um. Is it worse than Tag? Bold of you to assume that I have seen Bright. You haven't. The, you haven't seen no! it. No. <laughs> Why the fuck would I watch Bright? Because Willie's in it. There are places I would not follow Will Smith. Is what I'm going to say. There well, are now, Will Smith movies obviously. I have not seen. But back that back in 2017 nope. or whenever this was, I was like, I didn't okay. see, I didn't see Collateral Beauty either. I, yeah, I haven't seen Collateral Beauty. Collateral Beauty probably better than Bright. That that bad movie, bad movie. Bright. If you haven't seen Bright, don't watch <laughs> Bright. For everybody listening, it's a it's a a, a racist fantasy uh, Bright, film but, by <laughs> but David Ayer. Bright. In retrospect, one of the movies I am most glad exists. Why? Because it killed Max Landis' career. <laughs> Thank fucking God. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but at what cost? At, at what the cost? cost of me never seeing Bright, so I'm fucking fine. <laughs> um, anyway, my point is that she's the villain in Bright, right? That's like a big role in Bright. Um, Max Landis' Star Wars. How to describe it? It's she's not the the villain. 
You know, he called that his uh, Star Wars, right? What? Max Landis called that his Star Wars. He called Bright his Star Wars? Like when it was still in development, he was like, I had the realization today that this script I'm I'm finishing up is going to be my new hope. Don't and it's going to be Max, that that important you, to my career. Don't you think the career of Max Landis would have just been killed anyways without that sure, movie being but made? But Bright yeah. did it. God, fuck Max Landis. <laughs> no. What a piece of shit. Um um Bright it follows a very similar it's she's she I don't think she's the villain. I think she's the um I, I think if I remember correctly, she's she's more like the girl from The Fifth Element. Hold on. Let me ask name is. America's favorite Bright fan to weigh in, and maybe he'll get back to me. A real fan or? Yeah. A real fan. No. Okay. <laughs> I had to. America's number one. I, I am texting past and future guest of this show and America's number one Bright fan, Mark Tilly. Uh, <laughs> the bad guy in bright we need to know for the, the podcast. I think she's the bad guy I, I... anyway after bright she just goes back to europe and she's actually had like a pretty decent run of things all told i haven't seen europe. lamb should i see lamb? i never fucking saw lamb okay um but like lamb gets good reviews yeah. um it's bad and she's bad in it but people really liked the trip um a movie made by my like arch enemy because I need him to just stop and calm down. Uh, Tommy Vercola. <laughs> Do you know from Tommy Vercola? A Let's director see. I don't per se dislike. So Tommy Vercola makes I haven't his seen bones. enough. I haven't seen enough yeah. to I haven't seen what happened to Monday, even no though no one another... saw fucking what happened to Monday. Yeah. Um so Tommy Vercola made his bones making the dead snow movies, which are these like Horror comedy Nazi zombie splatter movies coming out of Sweden. Just the first um, one, right? Oh no, he made he both of them. He made both. In, of them. in yeah. the states, he is best known probably for making Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. Thumbs up to that movie or Violent Night from last year. Major thumbs up to Violent Night. Violent Night is good. Can I tell you about his new movie? Sure. Tell it's called Spermageddon. It. As oh, far man. as I can tell, it is functionally an Osmosis Jones remake. But, but with a sperm instead of with a sperm white trying to fertilize an egg, like cartoon sperm trying to fertilize an egg. Oh man, is the animated inner of the body work? Is it is it foreign language? Yeah, it's it has to be right. It's a fucking yeah. Norwegian movie. Oh yeah, That's they would insane. not let you make that movie in the United States. There's no cast attached to it yet. Um, God, we really don't want to talk about Dead Man Down. No, the last thing we got I'll, thirty I'll... minutes because I do have to. The last thing on this new me conversation is that she's the femme fatale in season two of Jack Ryan, the Krasinski app, uh, Amazon. Okay, Amazon? then I'm wrong. She didn't go back to Europe. But that was back in, that was pre-pandemic. It doesn't matter. Back. Like, I thought, I truly thought Bright was it for her. No, she's in um, that in 2019. Okay. 2019. Yeah. She is in a, speaking of things that but I have I think, never heard of. I think, like, to, to qualify that in a way like if you're talking about this person from the time when dead man down was being made to be relegated in america to being the femme fatale in the kind of neglected john krasinski vehicle for amazon that they've basically like i've been watching that show on and off just for something to fill time when i'm bored 
And season one, Amazon clearly invested a lot into it saying like, this is going to be the breakout thing of a universe that we can build projects behind. And it's not necessarily that it was like bad and artistic failure, but it just didn't, it doesn't, the, the first season didn't land in a way that like warranted the amount of attention that Amazon was giving to it. When you watch the preceding season or the, the succeeding seasons, it you could tell that with each incoming season, they've siphoned off a lot of the resources that would have gone to it towards other projects that they're producing. So just to like, to think about the, the European lead who is the star of the girl with the dragon tattoo, the millennium trilogy who comes to the U S and is the star of Prometheus and is supposed to be the lead of that franchise moving forward, being relegated to being the femme fatale in a latter season of the Jack Ryan show yeah. is not great. There's a, I, I think there's a world where she's like Juliette Binoche, right? Yeah. Like obviously so. Julie, she makes, she's going to be making like thrillers and action movies in a way that Binoche didn't do. But like, I feel like that's the the thought that you're going for, right? That like, here's this new, hot, interesting European star, and she's just going to have a fucking great career in Hollywood. And it just flames out fucking I... immediately to the degree that like, I think by the time Dead Man Down comes out, people are already like, fucking Numi Rapaz. I think there's, oh, I, I, I remember feeling that way seeing the trailer for Dead Man Down. Yeah. Back exactly. in 2012, probably when the trailer exactly. went back when I saw the trailer, which was probably around the holiday season of 2012. Yeah. For the first time. But just yeah, like you're saying, like I think there's this expectation post Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, post that blowing up on Netflix. This idea that, like, oh, here's a new here, here is a new European muse that will be exclusively used by American auteurs and kind yes. of like fringe and dark projects moving forward. And then gets like thrust into these blockbusters that don't work and aren't phenomenons. I mean, as as far as you want to say with Prometheus, like even the people who like Prometheus, I think would suggest that she doesn't necessarily work within the movie. No. Yeah. Which is weird because she does, to her credit, she really the, the best scene in Prometheus really has to like fall on her and she sells that scene. Like she really comes That's alive. True. The abortion yeah. scene. Yeah. Yeah. The fucking worst thing I've ever seen in my life. The weird one good scene in Prometheus. Let's just run, let's just run through it real quick. Like, is Colin good in this movie? I I think you're right. And you're identifying that he's playing like the anti-romance of the whole thing. He's more engaging than he is in Total Recall. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Connor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The the movie I kept thinking of when I was watching this was London Boulevard. Uh, Because that's the other one where I think he's like, he's trying to actively act away from the sex appeal that he naturally has. But at the same time, I think he is so, like, it's not a good movie, but there's, like, a perverse thrill to everything he's doing in that performance in London Boulevard. Whereas this kind of comes across as a little bored, probably because he's not trying to repeat himself. You know, I've completely forgotten about London Boulevard in the three, four weeks since we watched it. Yeah, whatever. And, uh, you know, there is something between him and Keira Knightley in that movie that 
that just doesn't exist at all here. He's so also maybe, legitimately so maybe scary. my movie maybe my movie star take is incorrect. Maybe I'll have renege on it as we proceed, but um I mean weirdly this is this is the weird thing about this one is that he's most engaging like I said that the the action movie stuff is the most engaging stuff in this movie. Yeah. But part of that is that Colin weirdly out of fucking nowhere in Dead Man Down has cracked his fucking like can't do action problem. Like it's not just that that stuff is well made. It's not. It's kind of yeah. sloppy. He's fucking cool as hell when he's like rappelling down buildings and like doing his John McClane. John McClane's throw. Have you ever read a Jack Reacher novel? No, I don't. This plan fucking on movie. It. The the fucking ending of this movie is a Jack Reacher novel. Like that sort of like cartoonish invincibility and just like bullets flying everywhere. And just like all of a sudden he's just kicking ass and taking names. Like Colin is doing Reacher in the end of this movie, but I think it clicks. Like I'm watching this and I was like, Colin would have been an interesting ultra choice for Jack Reacher. I mean, the the baby still would have whined that he was too small, but. There's something so incomprehensible about the way that the action scenes in this in this movie like there's a there's a segment where he is taking cover like behind a couch but because of the way it's shot it doesn't look like he's taking cover at all and then you're just kind of confused why the guy who's trying to shoot him just won't shoot him because it seems within the geography of what's happening that he's just like out there in the open and then it occurs to you like 13 seconds later that he's actually behind a couch and that's why they can't see him. Um, so there's but like a lot of like, that going on in this. He as like an iconic image, yeah, like clicks in a way he doesn't click in SWAT. He doesn't click in Total Recall. He doesn't click in um, what's another action movie? Well, I will He's say like, like unfortunately, unfortunately for SWAT and for the recruit, which isn't really the recruit an thank movie, you. but is an action movie. He to me because of the tone of the, or like the intended tone of those films, he's too young for, for the yes. role that he was given. So that's, that's not on him necessarily. Um, that more just like wrong place. At, I mean, SWAT's not a good movie anyways. And the recruits not necessarily a good movie anyways. Recruit is a fucking compared to this a fucking it's Sunday like a afternoon classic compared yeah. to this buddy. Um, I'm, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Another like, movie I him, wish was good. Him not working in those movies, like, are more th- that that is more a, a product of like all the things that that are culminating for him around 2003, 2004 yeah. that aren't happening. Here. Yes. And then when you get to this point, like, he does look like a weathered man with experience behind him, yes. which is probably what like allows it to work. But it is kind of like annoying that he's he's doing that here in dead man down as as opposed to the actors that we've been thinking about as we head into the 2010s like deeper into the 2010s that he's not necessarily yeah. getting the opportunities that like hardy is getting in fastbenders but getting. hardy would be more interesting in this movie in that's in the this straight movie, truth yes. of it yeah like i i if we can but this... i would say i think feral would be more interesting in those some of those Hardy movies, maybe if yeah. fucking what if Farrell was an Inception as that character, yeah, like as the character in Inception that's supposed to be the kind of flamboyant actor, yeah, within that team, yeah, 
Come we're, on. We're talking electric here. We're talking fireworks. I know we're talking. Yeah. 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 Um, I think thinking about seven psychopaths last week, you know, I, I talked about, I think I did. I don't, that, that entire recording is a, is a blank <laughs> space in my brain. Um, he has very little to do in seven psychopaths. Right. Yeah. And I mean, he, the function of his character is yes. to be the witness to what's happening. And, and as a result, yeah. he, as an actor is also doing very little in seven psychopaths in a way, right? Like it is a very loose, reactive, unmannered performance in a way that for me, I find just fucking captivating and thrilling. And I'm like, so locked in. And it's so much interesting that he's so much better in that when he's asked so little of in a smart way than in this movie where he weirdly has to like shoulder so much of a movie that isn't clicking and he doesn't want to take it over the top that it just doesn't land you know that's where i'm kind of coming at it with because i think i mean but look, because of the production design of this film like i just don't know who makes it out of this. Exactly. because i was thinking about it while i was watching it and i was like i can't tell if i'm just having a hard time understanding the different accents that are at play but watching this movie to me and i kept checking the settings on my tv to make sure i had them had had it set up the way i typically like it to be when yeah. i'm watching a film but like i felt like i was trying to read a magazine that was like at the bottom of a of a muddy puddle <laughs> And I just, I like couldn't understand what was happening. It looks awful. And that's the other thing is like, Numi Rapaz aside, a lot of good actors in this movie. And Connor, do you want to tell the the good people listening out there and above the title land who shot this movie? Uh, Paul Cameron shot this movie. And what else did Paul Cameron shoot? You may know from Michael Mann's Collateral and and Tony Scott's Man on Fire and and, Tony Scott's Deja Vu and and Dead Man Down and Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man Down No Tales and 21 Bridges. Are you going to make me say it? Are you going to make me say it? 21 Bridges. 21 Bridges. Oh, oh. well, I was going to say he also did the 2012 remake of Total Recall. But my point is that, you know, the, the man who shot some good fucking looking movies, right? Like we didn't I mean, even say the fucking commuter. Man, Collateral and Man on Fire are two of the most influential films of the last twenty five years. There's yeah, no and other. Deja way Vu is maybe yeah. the single greatest movie ever made. <laughs> I mean, Deja Vu looks great and sounds great and, and sounds feels great, great yeah. and is great. I'm not arguing with you. I know. I'm just wanting yeah. to clarify that. <laughs> Man on fire, man. Oh. And 21 Bridges has an electricity to it. that, that And the fucking commuter. Yeah. And the commuter. <laughs> have you commuted lately? <laughs> Not lately, but like I I, I have seen the, the 2018 film, the, the Commuter. The Commuter has the only good stitched together single take, I think, in the post-True Detective wasteland of stitched together single takes. Um, it's not very long. There's just like a 90 second long fist fight where the camera keeps zipping around. Um, but that's my point is that like this guy's a good cinematographer. I know a cinematographer is at the mercy of a director, but that this movie looks like mud, like is really like sounds like mud, sounds like mud. Yeah, we've skirted around this. We have to say this movie fucking killed Opleb's career, right? Oh, yeah, I can't believe we haven't said that yet. Um, he's he's 
he made the a film we talked about at one point briefly the yes. the sequel reboot to Flatliners. Yes, um, which was a huge bomb. No, it wasn't. It was a hit. What am I looking at here? That's insane. That, that was a hit. Uh, uh, a alert, hit. alert, a alert, hit. alert. Mark Tilly has weighed in. Numi Rapaz is, in fact, the villain of Bright. Oh, okay. I don't know Thank why. I, I, oh. I knew if I asked That's America's fine. number one Bright fan, we'd get the answer. <laughs> but other than, other than Flatliners, he's only gone back to make... Um, Yes. Other Danish films. But like right? not like Danish movies that like cross over at all, right? Well, there's only I think there's only three. Yeah. But yeah. Speedwalking, whatever that fucking is. But yeah. This uh, who is, else this is basically in this, movie? this effectively killed his career. Yeah. Uh Terrence Howard is in this movie who we spoke about during Hearts War. Yeah, I know um, we said we were gonna do the second half of Terrence Howard's career in this episode, but like I am left completely uninspired to talk about Terrence Howard, who is basically yeah. not in this movie. The problem is he 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 plays for like aside from uh, what's the TV show Empire? Is that what it's yeah. called? Yeah, I, which I haven't watched. But aside from that, and Prisoners, <laughs> he's basically just the heavy in like yeah. every movie that he's been in since yeah. two thousand. Nine? This is this yeah. is kind of a big year for him. This is the like theoretical last gasp of Terrence Howard, the movie star, just because he's in a lot of stuff this year. Um, because he's in this, he's in Lee Daniels the Butler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in movie forty three. But I think Lee fucking... Daniels the Butler is emblematic of like what he gets cast as from there on out, which is like, he shows up and you recognize him as Terrence Howard. He gets to do something relatively flamboyant to the other performances that are taking place within the screen. And then he dips out from the film. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But let me, let me, let me, let me just run through the 2013. This Butler prisoners, best man holiday, which is like a theoretically a big movie for him. Right. Yeah, like yeah. as a movie star, and then he is, of course, fucking next level funny in movie forty three. Uh, he stars in the best segment of movie forty three. Still, have not you never it. seen movie forty three? I've told you this before, and I'm still okay. Can not I tell it. you what his movie forty three skit is? Sure. So his movie forty three skit is uh, by Rusty Cundiff, who made Fear of a Black Hat and Tales from the Hood, and like was in Hollywood shuffle and like work with Robert Townsend or right. Like a, like a black satirist. Right. Yeah. The movie 43 sketch is it's like the fifties. It's like a college basketball game and like Terrence Howard's the coach and he's come into the fucking locker room and there, you know and what? all the team is like, I think I've oh seen man. this. Yeah. The, yeah. You've probably seen it. The I team's think I've seen like this. coach. We can't beat them. We need you to give us an inspiring speech. And he's like, we're playing BYU. You're black. You got this in the fucking bag. It's basketball. It's a it's a good, it's it's really it's good. Um my point being that like if Terrence Howard was going to have a continued career in movies, this was the year that would have done it for him. 
just because those are a lot of high profile movies. I guess so. But I mean, but that but is exactly what you're saying is like yeah. But he's getting slotted into the fun supporting role, the heavy, and that's kind of like well, it doesn't take it doesn't Prisoners. take. He's weirdly sidelined in Best Man Holiday compared to where he's in Best Man. Prisoners makes a pretty good case for him, which is a supporting character sure. in like moving forward. And and you know, to the nth degree, a character, not like or lowercase C character, as opposed to uppercase C character. Like not not the the flamboyant icon that a lot of supporting actors are are search out there actively like searching for, but like as a fully lived in human being that like exists like outside of what's happening in the film. Um, prisoners makes a good case for that. To assume that I remember that he's in prisoners. Prisoners makes a good. Do you not remember um, who he plays in prisoner? He's just the neighbor. He's the father of the other uh, girl who gets kidnapped. Is he Viola's husband? Yeah. So like, so um, uh, what's his face? Fucking Wolverine is on his like revenge mission, and he just keeps he just keeps dragging Terrence Howard along with him every once in a while. And Terrence Howard's like, I can't be torturing people. Wait, then who's Gyllenhaal? Gyllenhaal is the detective that's on the case. Gyllenhaal is the cop. Yeah. What a fucking piece of shit. Prisoners. Have you seen Prisoners? <laughs> yeah, once. It sucks. I'm just, I, I'm just wondering. Um, but it was I, so, But the problem, the problem is, it's like immediately after Prisoners, is he does Empire and Wayward Pines on yes. TV, at the and same then time. he's a TV guy. So, like, I think once you become that kind of TV figure, you're not really going to be willing to go back to being the lowercase character actor in. Sure. smaller non-blockbuster films that the the other thing that we're not saying is that terrence howard also famously has a very bad reputation and people do not like working with him and the only person who seems to enjoy working with terrence howard and repeatedly publicly talks about how much he likes working with terrence howard is lee daniels and lee daniels unfortunately and i think this sucks can't get a movie made and can only work in tv right that's where you're at uh so if the one yeah, guy who's gonna yeah. like put, who wants to work with you but he's really also, has a hard time getting movie stuff and only does tv you're only gonna do tv okay i mean he can't not get a movie made there's eight years between fucking the butler and billy holiday and billy holiday barely gets released yeah, but gets billy Hol- if he's been trying to push billy holiday for eight years like it's understandable why it's it's taking a while to get that project off sure that should be an easy fucking but dunk though my the thing about lee daniels is he he does not seem to want to cast terrence howard as a lead of the this film. is true yeah um important discovery i have just made lee daniels does have another movie in the can in it the can. is in the can. It is shot. It is a Netflix title that they have not dated. I assume they will drop it sometime in the summer. Um, it is a like haunted house possession movie. It is you know based on a true story, directed like, by Lee Daniels. Directed by Lee Daniels, based on like a real exorcism that happened ten years ago. Hmm. Air quotes, like all these possession movies are. You ready for the fucking cast of this thing? 
<laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's insanity. This is great. I'm like hooting and I'm hollering. All right. Andrew Day. Clearly okay. Lee Daniels' new project, Andrew Day. Yeah. Monique. There we go. Ingenue Ellis. All right. Omar Epps. <laughs> Omar. Fucking Man, Rob Morgan. Oh. One of the best actors alive. Okay. Ready for this? Are you sitting yeah. down? I am sitting down. Glenn Close. In the- <laughs> What? How? How? I don't fucking I can't know. even imagine what that looks like on screen with Can that you combination. Just picture in your brain. She must play a nun, right? Or or some or like a medium. I don't or know. Something, right? But just we're gonna see a Monique Glenn Close conversation scene directed Hopefully. by Lee Daniels. All right. That's crazy. That's Who actually crazy. I, I was under the impression that Lee Daniels and Monique like weren't speaking to each other. So I, you know what? Now that you mention great. it, because that one award season seemed like it truly burnt the bridge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because she famously doesn't do any promo for the movie because they won't pay her to do promo. Yeah. Which, like, here's the thing, though. Like, if that's at all two sided, I get mo. I get there being bad blood on both sides for that. And to the credit, Monique is in the right here. Uh, you should, most people do get paid to do awards promo and she should have gotten paid. Like she did still win the Oscar and that movie did still win best original <laughs> screenplay. Like there's not a like greater level of awards reception. That movie wasn't winning best picture, right? Like it was yeah. close. Truly. I think it was third place, maybe fourth. Don't discount the blind side. Um, what level of maybe that's why they patched the bridges because they realized that like fuck it at the end of the day no one got screwed by her not doing the promo for that thing yeah i guess um, the, i mean that would make sense is because you're you're not going to be spending the rest of your life being like oh man if only she showed up to these events yeah like my name would be on this trophy for for ever and ever because it was to be clear i think it is cool as hell that monique is always going to be like fuck you pay me and I think yeah. more stars should publicly be like, fuck you, pay me, because these people should be getting paid more across the board. Like every movie star gets underpaid. Um, that's a truly a thing, I believe. Um, have you ever given you my hot precious take? Maybe. I don't think sure. Monique is good and precious. Yeah. In yeah. fact, I think Monique is very I, bad and precious. You've given me that take before. But I do think maybe Mariah Carey should have that Oscar. Because I think Mariah Carey is fucking transcendent and precious. It's a good it's a good example of one of those performances when you there are certain celebrities who get cast in in smaller films like yes. that and neorealist films of that nature yes. and you have to keep reminding yourself this person has absolutely no idea what this is like cuz yes. they've been that rich and that famous for so long. Well, okay, Mariah is a complicated scenario. Because she doesn't. It is a complicated scenario, but she's also been that rich and that. Mariah Carey famously doesn't did not know that you have to pay for electricity. Sure, Mariah Carey was also functionally kept in an open air prison by Tommy Mottola. So like different. We're talking about different. Yeah, um, it's it's something that happens with DiCaprio a lot for me in later years when he has a love interest of similar age, and I'm like, this is acting because DiCaprio has absolutely no idea what. Well, it's acting because DiCaprio is a homosexual. Um, 
Connor hates Ghost of Fire Moon, y'all. I was disappointed. I wouldn't say hate, but yeah. Um, I just think people like dismissed the Mariah performance in Precious as stunt casting, and it is undeniably stunt casting. But what do you like better between the Mariah performance in Precious and J Lo in uh, Hustlers? Those are completely different performances because J Lo is an actress. Yeah, J Lo is an actress who pretended to be a singer. Yeah, yeah. No, you have a point. Yeah, different, different. I rescind my question. Yeah. Now, Lopez, great in Hustlers because she's one of the most pure movie stars of all time. Jennifer Lopez is such a pure movie star that she, like, was able to be a successful A-list pop singer, despite the fact that she does not sing any of those songs. This is true for as as far as I know. It's 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 um it's um listen to them. You can listen to them. It's there Ashanti, right? Isn't it like all Ashanti? It's, like it's, most of the songs are Ashanti. Some of them are Ashanti. Yeah. Some of them are Christina Milian. Yeah, 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 yeah. Christina Milian is the other big one. I always yeah. forget about Christina Milian. You can really hear it if you know which ones to listen to. You can really hear who's doing lead vocals on those J Lo songs, and it ain't it ain't J Lo. Sorry. Ain't J-Lo. All right, let's uh let's take it home, Cole. Let's fucking um, take it home. This movie comes out and I'm Do pre- we have to re-ask the question why are Isabel Huppert and F. Murray Abraham in this movie? Like it's just insane that they're in this movie. Like yeah. I don't get it. It um, doesn't make any sense. I can't think of an argument. I, I guess what I'm saying is I can't think of an argument to propose to you as why they would have signed on to do this. The the thing that's weird, they're weird for different reasons. The F. Murray Abraham thing is weird because he's only in like 30 seconds of the movie. And you're like, why is F. Murray Abraham in less of this movie than fucking Armand Asante? Right? <laughs> no disrespect to Armand Asante, but like, if you have F. Murray Abraham, you might want to have him play the like intimidating mob boss. Yeah. Um, the Isabel Hubert thing is weird because she's in a lot of this movie. She has a uh, lot of scenes. And you're just like, it's like you said, it's like she so infrequently does English language movies that you're kind of baffled that she's popping up as like the kooky mom, the comedic relief in this like otherwise very dour movie. Because by the time you see her in Eleanor Rigby, it makes sense. Like her casting in that film makes a lot of sense. You assume I've seen. The disappearance. Of oh Eleanor yeah, Rigby. yeah, yeah. We've talked forget. about this so many times. I always forget that it's because she, she she plays like the matriarch of like a very upper class sure. New York area family, and it just it makes a lot of sense that William Hurt would be married to Isabel Huppert in, sure. that, in that film. Yeah, yeah. It's also weird because then you're like, wait, Numi's playing French in this movie. It just doesn't work. Do we have anything fucking? Oh yeah, I have one other thing to say. Dominic Cooper. So I had this thought because. This movie opens with Dominic Cooper, right? It starts with him doing voiceover over Black. And then his face is the first thing you see, right? So Mm -hmm. that's why I had to stop. Now, I'm not saying I necessarily dislike Dominic Cooper as an actor, right? I think he's fine. Like, don't get it twisted. That's not what I'm saying here. In his entire career... Has Dominic Cooper ever shown up in a movie and you're like, yes, that makes sense that Dominic Cooper is here? Because every time Dominic Cooper shows up, I'm like, well, that's bad casting. (laughs) 
I truly am like, I don't know if I've ever thought he's been cast well. Let me think. Uh, I mean, the Captain America, that's very questionable cast. He's good in them, but when he, he shows up, you're like, mm, no, I'm saying like on, the idea, the idea that they had the Rolodex of actors of that age to pull from. And he was the one that they opted to go with for that. And I think it's fair. I guess Mamma Mia makes sense. No, that's my point. No. Like Mamma Mia. I'm like, oh, come on. No, get out of here. What, and then I watch work? it and he's like, why oh, did, you know, he's good. Yeah. Why doesn't he work in Mamma Mia? Literally just visually on screen. He appears there and I'm like, really, guys, you couldn't get someone other than Dominic Cooper. And then I watch the movie. I'm like, yeah, Dominic Cooper's having a good time in this. Um, do you ever think about how he played Saddam Hussein's son in a biopic? No. <laughs> I think about that. All I the didn't time. know that this exists. Yeah. It's called The Devil's Double. He plays. Saddam Hussein's son. He plays Uday's, Uday Hussein. Is, yes. is it about him? Is he the lead of the movie? It is, is technically, it... it is, it is, I believe, technically a biopic of his body double. What so he plays know? both roles. It's a this real movie, movie that really happens. Million dollars. It's directed by Lee Tamahori, uh, one of the weirdest directors of all time. <laughs> Anyway, no disrespect to Dominic Cooper, but like it popped up in this, and I was just like, man, he's never been cast. Is Dominic Cooper Middle Eastern? No. Then how on earth did he get cast in this? No, I mean like ethnically. No. This is I might have to watch this movie. I might have to watch this movie. (laughs) You the the turnaround on race bending was really quick and really recent i'm sorry yeah i know but that's still one that's like a hard a hard thing to accept in the the oh my god this is hurting my head it's not like he's like a noted method actor either no that's the weirdest part about it like i kind of i understand the race bending more when the person is like more of a thespian who you can like plug in and out of different content i mean colin farrell for, i mean he's playing a hungarian in this movie that's completely different and you i know, know it's it. complete i know it's completely different but we've spoken about it like he's very ethnically ambiguous despite being blatantly irish in this yes. in pop sure. culture yeah um i am shocked to discover by the way that preacher ran for four seasons and aired 43 episodes i yeah, truly I thought just... that was like a one and done I remember it was on. Yeah, it was I, the I, preacher. The, the problem with preacher is and, you know, I was finishing college at this point. Sure. So my perspective on things in this matter are skewed. But it it. If preacher would have came out four years earlier, a lot more people would have watched it, but it just oh, came sure. out at the boom of yes. streaming television. That's and, why I'm baffled that it yeah. aired for four seasons. Um. I fully never yeah. watched Preacher. But those all of those AMC shows did. Yeah. They didn't like canceling stuff. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I never watched Preacher, and it is strictly just because I found out a piece of information about Preacher, and I was like, more power to him. You are welcome to make whatever changes you want with an adaptation. But me finding out this thing clearly tells me that this is just not something I'm going to be interested in. AMC. Because I really love that comic, and like oh, I've never read it. It is. It was very clear to me from just stuff I was hearing about the first couple episodes was that they were 
going in their own direction in a way that was not going to speak to what I love about Preacher. The the impressive thing about those AMC series from yes. Breaking Bad through up to just like right before well, immediately well, preceding the well. pandemic is that uh, their most popular ones withholding the walking dead didn't really take off until the second or third season of the run of the show. Yes. With every single one yes. barring the walking dead. Yes. So. And even you know, dead then the walking a, dead doesn't like really figure itself out till season two. It's just a that's also true. I mean, The Walking Dead made a lot of aesthetic changes, a lot of yeah. creative well, they, change, they differences. Complete, they have a complete showrunner turnover because they yeah. fired Darabont. But the most interesting thing about all of those shows is that the aside from making changes at the highest level, like they did in that sense with Walking Dead, they they all seem to like really stand behind the the idea of the show itself. And would like let it play its course before they made any like sure. heavy decisions. And good for them. Things. Good yeah. for them. I'm just baffled. I'm just that that it's it's very unusual. Very unusual on network television for something like that to happen. Yeah, it's not. It's not a network, but um, I get what you're saying. For cable television, yeah. For, yeah. Just, just to be clear. Just to be clear. I should watch Preacher just because Ruth Negus in it. She's great. I love Ruth Negus so much. Um, um, but yeah, is he remember when Ruth Nega showed up in Ad Astra and like Ad Astra was good for five minutes? I don't remember Ad Astra very much. It's it's bad, more like I bad should, Astra. I should watch it. I should watch. No comment. Let's let's move <laughs> forward. Um, do we have anything yeah. else to say? Because I do kind of have to run. Um, man, I don't know this this episode. Is a... This is a weird one. <laughs> it's a I think hard next movie week to talk about. Like I said, like it's it's like there's a film over the film like it's like yeah, there is a buffer of haze yeah i'm not even just talking about visually yes. i'm talking about the entire way that this film delivers itself to you the viewer yes it's difficult to one pay attention to it two to understand what's happening and three to care about what's happening for all that i think this movie you know came burdened with greater expectations that I think exist in memory um, because it's a big Colin starting vehicle when he's coming off this like kind of weird career resurgence that we've talked about commercially at least. Well, I guess this was a question I meant to ask you is does he accept this movie just purely because it's the guy who maybe made the girl with the dragon tattoo? Probably. But that's what I was saying is like, yeah, you've got, you've got Colin coming off a big career resurgence You've got, um, at least commercially, if not creatively, you've got this like much weighted, like when's this guy going to make a Hollywood movie in Uplev that he's finally delivering on like, oh my God, it's his follow-up to Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. You've even weirdly got like, like I said, like Terrence Howard back in the spotlight, this like Iron Man was a few years ago, but Terrence Howard's back, baby. Like there is a lot of promise attached to this movie and it is not surprising in the slightest that it was just like a fucking roadblock for everyone involved. Because what the fuck are you supposed to do with this movie, Connor? I think, I think, barring the movie that I believe we will be talking about next week, if you look at his filmography, yes, from this moment forward, I can understand the case for him being in every single thing that he's in. Interesting. 
I mean, I'm not saying that they are great projects, like even on paper, but sure. like I could, there is somebody involved with said project. There is some kind of momentum. I am going to, to hold you at fucking gunpoint and make you justify this statement when we get to the solace episode, but continue. No, but the solace episode <laughs> is an unofficial sequel set. No, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. No, but I'm saying that's the case right there. I don't have to say more. Like, you I understand what I mean? I think by the time he's attached to it, it is no longer a sequel to Seven. Well, no, no, I understand that. But I think okay. just, like, based purely off the fact alone of, like, I'm this I'm so mad exists. that you know that. I thought that was going to be a crazy thing I could drop on that episode. I'm so mad that you know that. You're mad that I know that? That's, like, the most famous part about that movie. I know, but it's not yeah. a famous movie. It's not a famous movie, but if you all you can listen to any podcast about the movie Seven, and they'll bring that up in the in the I podcast. Know. Yeah, um, but no, I mean, I'm just saying, like, you look at the filmography from there moving forward. Maybe 2020's Ava is the only one that, like, I don't, I can't really I... get behind the argument for him being in that movie. Can I um, give you my thoughts on why he's in that movie? Just Ava? having never seen that movie. Because he worked with Chastain before? Like, that's my basically no. the only idea that I have. I have a deep theory that Tate Taylor's really good in the room. Oh, I mean. I think I think when people have meetings with Tate Taylor, sense. they yeah. find him very, like, I think he's good in, like, pitch meetings and good in, like, casting meetings. And, like, he, like, I think he's a good, fun person to be around because he always has casts that outweigh his the caliber of the movies right yeah i guess that makes sense I, and i think that just comes down to and the fact that he is like a weird run of people who like work with him time and time again we'll talk about it we'll talk about solace um we'll talk about it, but i'm just saying even even if you take that film and the cast that's in that film yes. and kind of like you can, it pops up on my netflix all the time i don't know if it's on netflix anymore but netflix was really trying to get me to watch it like a few weeks ago so <laughs> like it Girl would play the dragon tattoo is to 2010 through 2013 netflix ava is to covid era netflix they are always putting ava back on netflix you know how it when when netflix starts playing like it's quote-unquote teaser to try to get you to watch the thing yes it always starts with colin farrell like walking into a room with like john malkovich i think and just based purely off of the aesthetics of that film it's a better argument for for me to understand why he would sign on to do that movie than it is to understand why he would sign on have you have you ever seen ava I haven't seen Ava. Have you seen Solace? I have not seen Solace either. You you know Dead Man Down is a bad movie because we're just like casually like trying to figure out why Colin Farrell is in other movies that we have not seen and have no business talking about yet. <laughs> I mean, I, I to be 100% honest, I probably would have watched Ava if we were not doing this podcast. Like, it's, I, it would have... Lord fascinating that i have not times. seen ava yeah it's actually kind of weird that i have not seen ava. i mean it's a pandemic movie right but that's why it's weird that i haven't seen ava like i know i don't like tate taylor no, i think all like... of those i think all of those pandemic movies are just a wash because but i watched them even all. the ones that went on streaming I watched them all. Yeah, but everybody reoriented their watching habits during that time. Like I you might have retrospectively 
Okay. I was just like, oh, cool. More movies are on streaming. It is very strange then that you did not watch it. You have to understand something, Connor. Not only did I never quarantine during COVID, that was one of the busiest work periods of my life because I was working two jobs and I was doing like 50 hours a week. I did not know this about you. Yeah. I, I never had the like sit my ass down at home period that a lot of people did. No, I had, I basically had that. Yeah. I know. was literally just spending all my time at work. Um, That was dead man down. If you're, uh, if you're wondering between this and pride and glory, go watch pride and glory. instead. <laughs> uh, we will be back next week for a movie. I know literally nothing about besides the fact that it is a cartoon for babies. It could be epic. Yeah, it is epic. It is the film Epic. Connor, have you seen Epic? I have not seen Epic. Have you done any research into Epic? Uh, I know that is an animated movie, and I believe um, Sudeikis is a voice of a character. What are the odds, do you think, that Epic's going to turn out to be like a foreign animated movie that has like a stacked U.S. dubcast? I feel like that's the vibe it has. Yeah. I I haven't done that much research, but okay, I can tell you tell, for, something not, tells know, me. It's not. So, oh, okay, because I was gonna say something tells me that like if I remember correctly from the time when it was coming out that it's like the the team behind said other. It's Blue Sky. It's the um, digital. It's franchise. the Ice Age guys. Yeah, exactly. Can I just yeah. as we go out as we crank up the music? Let me just say. Thank you for listening to Above the Title. We'll be back next week with Epic. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Connor, would you like to uh, plug the Instagram? It's at Above the Title Pod. All right. And as you're hearing the dulcet tones of In the Air tonight, let me just say it's fuck Ken Loach all the time. But Connor, I just want to tell you who is in the movie Epic. You ready? All right. Colin the whole Farrell. Cast? Colin Farrell. Is Colin the main character? He is the lead. Okay, that's interesting. Josh Hutcherson. Oh. Amanda Seyfried. Nice. Christoph oh, Fox. Aziz Ansari. Chris O'Dowd. Jason Sudeikis. Judah Friedlander. Pitbull. Steven Tyler. And Beyonce. It's all been a pack of lies.